Blog Talk Radio.
judgment comes upon the law. Time to waste, run to the cross. Drunk old lies of this age. Feels too smart to believe. Trade their future for the lust. Blindly passing, they call you to join them. Fall into the order that Satan has designed. Men getting ready to sell their soul. For a chance to receive his mark Father God, we thank you. We thank you for everything that you have done for us, for awakening us, for helping us to be able to see so many really cool things that other people aren't able to see, to keep us on the edge of our seats for the days that we're in right now, because, well, if we weren't paying attention, as we were uh, essentially commanded to by our Lord, uh, to keep watch, um, we probably wouldn't be as aware as we are. Um, The only thing that is hard, and you know it, Father, because you've prophesied this through so many of your servants, um, it is absolutely very, very, um, it makes us all very, very weary, Father. And we praise you for recognizing that, for sharing what appears to be, you know, your sympathies, but also at the same time, you know, requesting for us to, to buck up and do the works that we were called to do to, you know, not just occupy, but to be about the Father's business. And we praise you for helping us to understand how vitally important it is for us to have a robust prayer life hopefully using spiritual warfare methods uh, to be able to accomplish even more on behalf of the kingdom and also be able to touch people's lives and understand that it's the little things that we do for people in the name of Jesus and those behaviors that we exhibit that make oftentimes make the greatest impact on the kingdom. And we just praise you for helping us to understand those things because otherwise we would, you know, a lot of, uh, of our fellow brothers and sisters don't really feel that they're making a proper contribution to the kingdom and, and they just they don't understand what's truly important to you. And we praise you for helping us to understand those things, to give us hope that others don't have because it's not appropriately or or, adic- or accurately uh, communicated in the church. And And we just thank you, Father. We thank you for opening our eyes to things that are, you know, unbelievably awesome about you and the mysteries of the universe, the mysteries of 
your creation and how big it is, how amazing it is to understand what it means to rule and reign with Jesus and, 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 and just all these things that you, if we're paying close enough attention to, we see the hints, we listen to the details, and we put two and two together, and we're saying like, wow, it just makes who we are, why we're here, and what awaits us so huge and so amazing that um, dealing with the things that we have to deal with, you know, pretty much every day here, no matter how unfortunate they happen to be in their nature, uh, so much easier to to uh, to uh, deal with. Anyway, Father, we just want to praise you and thank you for that. Continue to give us peace. Continue to give us an anointing of trust. Continue to give us that which we need to be able to navigate the very difficult days that we're in right now and to be called to stand before Jesus at the wedding supper. And, Father, it says in, in Matthew eighteen nineteen, it says, where two or more are gathered together on the earth, and when we pray together that, you know, those things will be given to us, and we believe that, we stand on that promise, we pray together in the name of Jesus on earth, that you will find us worthy to escape all these things that are about to come to pass and stand before the Son of Man, obviously, at the wedding supper. And we cannot wait. We praise your holy name forever and ever, Father. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, i got to make some adjustments here. Boy, I've been doing a lot of work on this um, blown-up computer, blown-up soundboard, everything fried at the same time. Um, let me see. Let me get a sound check. Sound as good as what I'm hearing from Sister Vera. Let's see what I'm getting from 
Yeah, Brother Justin, thank you very much. God bless you also. What's going on with Mary Lee? She never chimes in. Oh, she's chiming in anyway. She says she hears me loud and clear from Louisiana, where nobody else lives but her. I'm just kidding. Uh, praise God. So anyway, um, yeah, I'm going to have to be dorking. I don't want to be dorking around with things, but unfortunately I'm going to have to be. Um, the soundboard is very much more capable than the other one was, uh, not by choice, but by force. I would have been plenty happy with the same one that I had, uh, but unfortunately no longer exists, as do not the um, same type of iPad that I had. So I ended up having to get a bigger one, which is fine. I Luckily, I had the room for it. And it's complicated. Um, you know, it uh, it's much, much more capable, but of course the more capable things are, the more power they have, the more options they have. And, of course, you got to figure all that stuff out. And getting all the sound bites, you know, located in the different places that you want them to be so that you can use them efficiently. See, that's the key. You want to be able to jump back and forth to the different the sound bites, you know, as, as rapidly as you can. And, unfortunately, I did the best I could, but um, it's going to take me a really long time to get everything where it needs to be. Like, I found this old one. <laughs> this is great. I found this old uh, sound bite that I did of um, Clark. You know, Clark, uh, it's a snippet out of uh, Christmas Vacation, but uh, I kind of um, mixed it up with uh, that bad boys thing. Bad boys, bad boys. But anyway, I found a bunch of cool stuff that I haven't had in a long time. So anyway, I just have to get everything lined up so it's efficient and I know where everything is so I can jump back and forth and use the soundboard the way it's meant to be. But here it is. Biggest bag over the head, punch in the face I ever got. Get off! Punch. Now I don't want to look him straight in the eye. I don't want to tell him what a cheap, lying, no good, rotten, fourth flushing, low life, snake licking, dirty, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood sucking, dog kissing, brainless, hopeless. I found a lot of really uh, interesting things, and I threw them on the soundboard because this particular one has the capability of an unlimited amount of sounds. But that doesn't do you much good either because making that efficient is like next to impossible. It takes a lot of dorking around. But anyway, yay uh, if my system doesn't blue screen right in the middle of the show, uh, knock on on, uh, whatever. Praise Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're not going to blue screen tonight. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. All right, so anyway, on that note, um, let's go ahead and, well, bring on the kids. Kids, are you ready? Man, that is hurting my ears. Hold on just a second. I've got to make an adjustment here. I believe it's this control right here, hopefully. All right, kids, what did Janine uh, I'm sorry. Why did Janine eat her test? I think I might have repeat. This might be a repeat, but that's okay. <clears throat> because her teacher said it was a piece of cake. Kids, what do you think? I know we repeated it, but that's okay. You like it anyway? 
Well, that's cool. Kids, what kind of call does a marathon runner always make? A marathon runner. That's the key. A long-distance one. You know, because they're running a marathon. Okay. Kids, what did the flip-flops say to the tennis shoes? Stop sneaking around. (laughs) That's a three for three, right? Okay. Uh, You kids are in a good... Okay. Now, on that note, because we want to... I don't know what's the right word. Punch our way through, move rather quickly, whatever we got. But we want to get through the news quickly and efficiently so that I'm able to attempt to share as much as I possibly can with you. It's really three shows, four shows of material. But I'm going to try to see how much I can get out in this program. Unfortunately, with my forced involuntary trip to you know where um next week i um yeah the schedule isn't what i would like it to be i may have to do a third version of this one but i i I don't know so we're just going to go ahead and enter into the news section of the program and um see where we end up all right praise god thank you jesus and here we go ladies and gentlemen may i have your attention please it's not normal all right, praise God. So that last uh, transition was not what the one that I thought it was. So uh, fiddle faddle. <laughs> okay, I'm going to be making sound sound bite mistakes for a long time to come until I get it all figured out and whatever. All right, praise God. So the first one up here is a little hard to believe. Um, my ex-wife sent it, and I, uh, it's sad, but it's true, evidently. And um, I actually said back to her, man, that isn't even funny. That is really pathetic. And um, I told her, I said, I, it, the Lord has got to be making, letting these things happen in an attempt, <clears throat> in an attempt to try to wake people up. That's the only thing that I can figure, because otherwise, this is unbelievable. But I'm going to go ahead and play it for you anyway. All right, here we go. Here we go. The big criminal is not the safety. I know. I thought it was a joke too when I saw it, but it's not. Uh, so, Sharon, so talk to us a little bit of how this plan is actually going to work. Well, Chris and Marcus, good morning. Yes, the chosen ambassadors will be paid not to shoot people, believe it or not. The city is launching the pilot program in October, paying people $300 a month to not commit crimes. The goal is to reduce gun violence. It will start with 10 people who want to change their lives and become community ambassadors. Participants will have to pass an interview. The Human Rights Commission says the idea. All right. So while the audio was not especially loud on that particular bite, maybe you heard it. I hope you did. Believe it or not, San Francisco, look, California is toast. There is a reason why God's going to break the whole daggone thing off and send it right into the ocean. But I don't think it's going to happen until, uh, um, you know, until the bold judgments, um, you know, the Oh, gosh, it's in Revelation 16, I believe. But anyway, um, yeah, not soon enough for me. As far as I'm concerned, the whole thing can snap off. But i got friends out there, so I don't really want them to go breaking off into the ocean. But 
That state's toast. We all pretty much know it, but a lot of states are toast now anyways. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. It, it, I, I'm, I'm, there, not a day goes by that I'm not absolutely befuddled, blown away, can't believe we are still here. But I can... I can think about that forever, and it won't get me anywhere. So we just got to continue to occupy, hang in there, keep on praying, deal with the stuff that we got to deal with, a lot of the stuff that we don't want to deal with, and just keep on going, man. Just keep on pushing through. Praise God. I just hope we get out of here sooner than later. All right, praise Jesus. Now, on that note, let's go ahead and check out this soundbite. This is a uh, – now, I may have played this before, but it is just so amazing that um, I didn't want to take a chance on not playing it, so I'm going to play it. If, if it's again, it's again. And if it's the first time that you're hearing it, then so be it. It's impressive. This is an audio bite from a CSI uh, episode. Um, now, I don't know. It doesn't tell you which one it is, but that's okay. Just hearing what they're saying is, and the fact that it was on television is beyond words. So anyway, let's go ahead and bring this up here. All right, here we go. Come here. Take a look at this. Isn't that the... Yeah. You can see Dick Cheney, Al Gore, all nine Supreme Court justices shapeshift into reptilians. Did you know that for thousands of years, creatures from the constellation Draco have been mating with humans to form a super race that includes 43 U.S. presidents, most members of Congress, and the entire British royal family? <laughs> okay. Yeah, so um, that pretty much says it all. Um, I, I, it's not uh, like I believe I had mentioned on the last show. It's not a mating thing. It's more of a satanic ritual thing that they do in order to become perfectly possessed by these entities. Then the entities take them over, and there's no more them. They, you know, they might look like them, but they're not them anymore. All right, so once once they go Draco, reptilian, whatever, that being completely takes over that host body. And um, it has, in order to be able to manipulate and maintain the shape in that host body, they have to get power from on high, from our Heavenly Father. They need that power. And the only way that they can get it is from the adrenal chrome, which we all, I believe, know about by now. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right, now this is an audio bite from a person who claims to be um, in the United Kingdom at a bed and breakfast, and I guess their conscious conscience got the best of them or something, and they came forward with a testimony on the internet regarding, well, seems like planned military attacks. But we all we all already know that that is ultimately what's coming our way pretty quick. So anyway, let's listen to this person's confession. Here we go. All right. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Here we go. Hello, England, Ireland, Scotland, and Wales. First of all, I want to apologize because I feel I betrayed you. This is going to be very hard for me to do, but it needs to be told. I'm not going to tell you my name. You could just call me the whistleblower because this needs to be told. I own a small bread and breakfast slash hotel on the outskirts between London and Bristol. Exactly where, I won't say. I was commandeered by the office of 10 Downing Street to rehome refugee families. And the first lot of refugees came. There was not one woman there was not one child. The people that turned up were men from the age of 19 
to 30, I would say. I have enough room for about 250 residents. I currently house 150 immigrants. Yes, I did receive quite a large sum of money for doing so. On doing so, the government told me that I had to fire all my staff and they will supply their own and also that they will supply security guards for the bread and breakfast. All right, so I guess you get the gist of it. Basically, this person's, you know, feels, I don't know what they think they're, you know, okay, Mr. Whistleblower, whatever. But um, no big surprise there, because in the Biden uh, open mic audio bite regarding sending F-15s down to uh, Texas, in that he said, um, you know, we can't have, we can't, they cannot stop allowing us to bring in military-aged males. He actually said that in that soundbite on the open mic. So, I mean, it's it's out now. Everybody to know about it by now. It's it's it, it, by the way. Again, it lines up absolutely perfectly with Albert Pike's Third World War um, dialogue uh, in his letter to Giuseppe Mazzini that was written back in 1871, I believe. So anyway, um, you know, it all adds up, and it's stuff that's been planned like seemingly forever, and it's just kind of mind-shattering to see it all happening like right now. Uh, these were things like 10 years ago that we would talk about, but, you know, I don't know. I just, you know, we. I think we, I know I did. I thought we were going to leave. I thought the rapture was going to happen a long, long time ago. I didn't really know it, half of what I know now. And, um, you know, kind of a bummer in a way. I mean, I would really rather, like I say, be up in, uh, be up in heaven with the Lord. But, um, you know, we got to do what we got to do. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right. So the next headline that is up, final stages of invasion. In South Lebanon, it says an unnamed Middle Eastern uh, nation has reportedly provided intelligence to Hezbollah, which states that Israel is in the final stages of planning an invasion in southern Lebanon following the end of military operations in the Gaza Strip, with the goal of invasion being the destruction and pushback of Hezbollah's offensive capabilities past the Litani River to align with the United Nations Security Council Resolution 1701. Of course, that is crossing a red line that has already been uh, spoken to the world uh, from Iran, and that's one of several red lines. Um, one of them is you can't – don't touch Iran directly, and the other one was don't you know mess with Hezbollah and you know, whatever because they considered it a direct affront to their military interests. All right, so anyway, uh, to this day, really what we're seeing is really not a lot more than a bunch of saber-rattling. Um, uh, so, uh, you know, I'm standing by for the big event. I don't know what that big event is. It might be, well, you know, a little bit worse than what a lot of people think. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. All right. Now I may have mentioned this before, but it merits repeating if I have. Okay. And, uh, just so you know, uh, the treatment of injury or sickness due to war, riot, or insurrection is now no longer covered in our medical packages. So United and Anthem, and you can believe the rest of them, too. If you look at your uh, in, at the details, the small print on your medical um, binder, uh, you're for sure going to find that they are not going to treat you for any kind of sickness, injury, 
forget it. Once once these riots and things start to break out, the people that are unfortunately not Jesus-like enough to stay out of it, um, uh, they're going to get hurt, and they're not they're not they're going to die. They're just going to lay there and bleed out. There's not going to be an ambulance going to get them. Nobody's look. They're not going to send an ambulance when they know they're not going to get paid, right? There's going to be a lot of bloody people laying in the streets dying. It's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. And thank you, Jesus. We know that our calling is to be on our knees and praying for the lost, including the people that are victims to the, like, super bad things that we know are coming. And we just don't know exactly when they're going to kick off, but, you know, it could be any time now. But we've been saying that for years, so we got to, you know— Choose to be happy, continue to pray, continue to serve our Father, continue to do good things uh, as we're instructed in the Scripture, and hang in there, all right? No matter how miserable your situation may be, you got to forgive everybody that's ever done you wrong, no matter how bad it was, you got to forgive them, and you got to pray, 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 pray. Pray for the lost. Fill yourself with the love of the Father. Fill yourself with the love of Jesus. When that, when that overflows from you, you finally start the true sanctification process where you can change internally in, in your heart. And then um, you you really miss it. I mean, you miss spending uh, time with the, in the secret place of the Most High in the presence of the Lord and um, praying for people. You feel bad when, you, when, when you're sick or whatever and you can't or, or you're limited in what you can do. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Next one up. KC 130 refueling sent to the Middle East. All right. And this one here, I'm going to have to make an adjustment uh, so I'm able to read for you the details. Yep, I'm going to have to go in real. Okay. At least six United States Air Force KC 135 aerial refueling tankers, most from March Air Reserve Base in uh, Southern California, are heading northeast across the United States and preparing to transit the Atlantic toward the United Kingdom and Europe. I wonder what kind of aircraft they are planning to refuel. All right. So uh, do we know? Well, we don't. But we come on. I mean, you know, they're they're preparing for full. Blo- it's it's it is the real deal. It's coming. Um, I was looking at some uh, some information. They've been planning on doing this for so long; it's just unbelievable. Um, when I was reloading the sound bites and the sound effects and stuff for the soundboard, oh my gosh! I mean, the just the vast number of old radio shows that we've done that even tackled this topic seven, eight, nine years ago. Even back then, we were expecting it to happen at any second now. And right now, we're so close, it's hard to believe it hasn't. All right, um, next one up. All right, praise God, the Evergrande collapse in Hong Kong court orders liquidation of China property. They have $130 billion, no, I'm sorry, $300 billion of debt. And um, there's a lot of people that are financial experts, and it happens all the time, where they come out and they look at these dynamics and they, they, they look at the, in, the interdynamics between these big, gigantic, multi-hundred billion dollar companies that are failing and what the ramifications might be when they go under. You know, how many dependencies, how many other companies depend on their revenue in order to survive? And could it cause a domino effect? And a lot of the experts, of course, are saying that they think that this is really a bad, super bad, globally bad financial event. Do I concern myself with it at all? Absolutely not. Um, The reason is because everything is being propped up by fake. 
Everything's fake. Everything's fiat. There's no such thing as money. Nobody's got money back than gold, not even the BRICS people. They might have a lot more than we got, of course. But the bottom line is at the end of the day, all of the money across the entire world is essentially fake. So if they wanted – you know, I remember when um, – you know, when um, Alex Jones back in 2004 used to bring on um, – oh, what's his name from the Trends Institute? I forget his name. But anyway, he, he would come on all the time. We're going to go into a global financial collapse. This is 2004, and I've been watching this go on forever and ever. Everything's going to be global financial collapse. Now, yes, the United States, all the things that they said had to happen as precursors to the collapse – They've already happened. You know, things like the Treasury bonds being dumped and all that kind of stuff. Now, what's going to trigger the whole thing? It's going to, get, it's going to happen when the, when the reptilians want it to happen. I mean, that's really the way it's going to work, period, end of story. It's going to be coordinated. It's going to be like a uh, Michael Jackson concert. Hee, hee, hee. It's going to be – they're going to moonwalk right over the top of everybody's heads. No one's going to see it coming. Nobody's going to predict it properly. Nobody ever does. Okay, so God does warn us about things, but he – Unfortunately, he warns us about things sometimes 10 years before they actually happen. So um, it's my opinion that our Heavenly Father really doesn't want us to know. Um, that's not because he's mean or anything. It's just that he wants us to be holy, righteous, and seeking him. And he wants us to fear him. Because if we fear him, we fear hellfire. And that's exactly where our walk ought to be. Positive and negative reinforcement. If you don't connect up the negative battery, uh, the black terminal to the battery, the current of the Holy Spirit does not flow. You've got to have both. Praise God. All right. Hallelujah. So um, next one up. Praise God. Heavy bombers. Heavy bombers. Breaking news. We might see six United States Air Force heavy bombers armed with cruise missiles participate in the retaliatory airstrikes at the IRGC of Iran's Islamic regime and their proxies in just 15 hours from now, this person estimates. Uh, usually those time estimations are wrong. <clears> the <throat> person goes on to say they can be B-52Hs or Barksdale Minot Air, uh, Air Force bombers, B-1Bs of the Dias AFB or a mixture of both. So whatever. Um, at the end of the day, big bombers, lots of bombs heading over to the Middle East. Just depends what they bomb, and then that's going to – set the stage for what comes next. All right, praise God. Next up. All right, the United States base in Jordan was attacked. Three American soldiers were killed and at least 24 wounded after a suicide drone strike on a United States base in Jordan, right on the border of Syria. Iran and its proxy groups are the main suspects. This they consider to be a major escalation. Next up. Canada truckers, convoys are back. So now that they have uh, the, uh, I don't know, you'd call it the equivalent of the Supreme Court of Canada has ruled that the um, use of the Emergency Powers Act was no longer, it was, you know, it was a, uh, not allowed uh, legally. Uh, the the convoy truckers, the you know you that whole you know rubber duck thing. There, well, they're going and doing their thing. The freedom truckers are back. Share it goes on to say a massive convoy of trucks are driving across Canada once again. Praise God, thank you Jesus. And of course, we have no has it, there's been no interruption of the Germany farmers um, protest with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, probably thousands of tractors, monster tractors. These things are humongous tractors. Um, and then um, uh, in France, oh, don't even get me going on France. I mean, they're spraying um, dung fertilizer on the sides of the military, uh, the government buildings. They're trying to put, you know, the, the French government, as feeble as they are, are trying to, you know, 
stopping them, but they're failing. Uh, you know, and they'll just keep on doing it. This this could go on until the Great Tribulation starts the way it's looking right now. Next one up. Russia is about to take the United uh, the Ukraine. Okay, now this is speculative. I don't know if that's going to be the case at all, but this particular person seems to think that they are. A, and the commentary is what. It has become apparent is that Russia is increasing the speed of attacking Ukraine. The tactic has always been to make America believe that Ukraine can still win and to deliver weapons to the Ukraine for easy destruction. Another aspect of fighting the, uh, in the east of Ukraine is the short logistics routes for Russia and to fight in an environment where the population is generally pro-Russia. And it goes on. Um, it says if Ukraine were to surrender today, a sizable part of the army would remain and cause potential problems in the future, therefore reducing the size of the Ukrainian army is an early objective before Russia moves in to do a blitzkrieg move. So according to BBC News, they seem to think that that's what's ultimately going to happen. The question is, nobody really knows, and Putin is a military genius, comparative to the entities that we have flopping around in our neck of the woods. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Fulton County, Georgia, cyber attack. Fulton County, Georgia has been hit. With a cyber attack, an unknown outage has down the county's phone systems and brought certain online transactions to a halt, including those filing property taxes, firearms, marriage license, and other things the county said in their statement. So, again, we're seeing more and more of these kinds of things. Are these all precursors to a much larger, large-scale, you know, take down the entire, uh, you know, uh, power grid or whatever. I don't know, but we certainly have had enough warnings and threats uh, come from those who are more than capable of doing such things uh, to the unsuspecting blue pill people that unfortunately are so pervasive across the entire country as they drool over their Budweiser. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Next one up. Biden's biggest decision, war in Iran. The president of the United States, Joe Biden, which, oh, I just hate even saying those words, is expected to make one of the most important decisions of his presidency tonight as he orders a response for a one-way suicide drone attack by Iranian-backed forces against the Tower 22 patrol base in northeastern Jordan this weekend, which resulted in the death of three American soldiers. The response will likely come in upwards of three stages, which will target the capabilities of Iran-backed militias in Syria, Iraq, and kinetic strikes along along with cyber attacks on facilities uh, used by the Islamic Revolution. Revolutionary Guard in Iran, followed by kinetic strikes against strategic locations inside of the borders of Iran related to their nuclear ballistic missile and drone capabilities. Now, that was one of the red lines that Iran came out and said, don't cross that. If bombs go off inside, you know, our country, that's not okay. And then they're claiming they're going to attack. Now, they never have yet, but they certainly have the equipment to... uh, Pretty much sink every single one of the ships in the United States fleet, pretty much, um, and, you know, depending on how many of the hypersonic missiles that they have and how accurate they are. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Middle Eastern. Middle East is more dangerous since 19 more dangerous than it's been since 1973. And what we'll do is we'll go ahead and uh, let uh, let this blinking creature go ahead and say what he wants to say so you can hear it coming from the reptilian's mouth. All right. Here we go. I would argue that we have not seen a situation as as dangerous as the one we're facing now across the region since at least 1973. 
All right, so there you go. More dribble from the uh, fallen seraphim. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Marjorie Taylor Greene says, how many terrorists are in the United States? And uh, I'll just let let her do the talking on this one. She makes a commentary in regard to the dynamics at the southern border and how bad it might actually be inside the country, which, of course, we already know, but that's okay. It's nice to have other people know it as well. All right, here we go. Your thoughts on some of the folks, including Lindsey Graham in the Senate, who, in light of these three American service members who died over the weekend, calling for strikes inside of Iran right now? Well, first, I just want to say that my heartfelt prayers are with them and their families. Um, those three servicemen were from Georgia. They are reservists. And so all of Georgia right now is really, really lifting them up in prayer. Uh, these are lives that should have never been lost. Um, what I have to say to Lindsey Graham and others that are just madly calling for war is they sound psychotic, absolutely psychotic. War is very serious, and if the president is planning to go to war with Iran, he needs to come to Congress and ask permission, and this is something that Congress has to give approval for. And um, we're, in a, we're in a historic situation, situation that I think many people need to pause and give a lot of thought about. We've had nearly 2 million people come into our country. These are gotaways. We don't know who these people are. They could be, they could be thousands of terrorists. So going off into bloodlust and launching bombs and missiles at Iran could lead to, it, lead to a very serious attack here and on our homeland, and it would be the Biden administration's complete responsibility for, for their ridiculous wide-open border policies and Secretary Mayorkas for willfully breaking our federal immigration laws. Um, but, but I think this is a, this is a time that really um, leaders here in Washington, people making these decisions, the Biden administration, they need to take this serious and be careful with what they do. All right. So much for that. Um, also, hey, I, I wish I could share this with you and show it to you. I might I don't know. I doubt it. I got too much to do to prepare to go. I don't want to go, but I got to go next week. So I doubt I'll be able to put it up on the website, but one of these days I got to get through. I really just got to spend time pumping up some articles. But anyway, um, believe it or not, guess what? I actually have a photograph of not two suns in the sky, but four suns in the sky. So this aligns interestingly with a prophecy by Dr. David O'Rourke, where he said that there would be many planets passing close by our planet, our planet. All right. And that's what we're seeing here. Um, Nibiru, Planet X, whatever you want to call it, the destroyer, you can call it whatever you will. The Bible calls it the destroyer of nations. But anyway, um, uh, or the sign is the son of man, uh, Matthew 24, um, uh, 29. But anyway, um, uh, the you know it's 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 a solar system and the it's, it has a failed brown or I'm sorry yellow dwarf star like ours but it failed and it collapsed and turned into a brown dwarf which is minus 273 degrees Fahrenheit so it's dark and high mass very magnetic you cannot see it without infrared attachments that's why the Vatican VAT telescope on Mount Graham has the no I'm not joking the Lucifer attachment and that article is still available 
if you type the Lucifer telescope attachment into Google, or you can try DuckDuckGo, probably have better luck, uh, and you probe through it, you will see, I don't know, is it like a popular mechanics article that is still out there that talks all about it, what the acronym means? What they do is a ret- what they did was a retrofitted an infrared attachment to that Vatican Vat telescope so that they would be able to see the brown dwarf because it's very, very black. All right. Of course, you know, when, when it's uh, going past uh, in the heliosphere of a sun like our sun, uh, it will start to glow. And that's where you get those red wings and the, the iron oxide uh, dust particles around it and all that kind of stuff. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Next one up. All three leeches died from the vaccination. So what they did was they tried to test. This was I found this kind of interesting. They put leeches of different varieties uh, on the skin of, you know, on the arm of a person that had been vaccinated by the Moderna and Pfizer satanic graphene oxide creepy poison. And the leeches died promptly after having lunch. All right. No big surprise there, I don't think. Next one up. Sinking of Iranian ships. Defense officials linked to Central Command have have stated that one of the response options provided to President Biden following the one-way suicide drone attack this past weekend against northeastern Jordan was the sinking of an M-slash-V Bashad, as well as her two Iranian frigate escorts in the Gulf of Aden. The M-slash-V Bashad is a command and surveillance ship of the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, uh, which has been loitering in the Red Sea and the Gulf of Aden for several months now, and is believed to be providing intelligence to the, uh, for targeting to the Houthi terrorists in Yemen. Next one up. Praise God. Marine says that they will nuke a city. Let's hear it from his mouth. This is uh, a Marine being asked about the, the people that are coming in at the southern border of the United States of Babylon the Great. This lines up with prophecy, by the way. You serve over in the Middle East? In 91. I was in the first Persian excursion. What's your, uh, what's your feeling about those people, the way that they feel about the U.S.? They hate us with a passion. Why? Why? Because we're us. How did, they, tr- how did they treat you when you were there? Well, with respect, because I was armed. Yeah. Okay, but when you're not armed, you're, you're nothing but the infidel. And they're, uh, to me, it's kind of like... Uh, having a dog that you got to tie a pork chop around your neck to play with you. Okay? The only reason they like us or even give you the time of day is because we're foolish enough to give them money or, you know, whatever whatever they need. Very well time. said. But as mm-hmm. soon as as soon as soon uh, they're done with us or, you know, they got somebody to give them bigger and better, oh, we're the infidel again and we deserve to die. That's just the way. Wow. I go back to a question. I don't know if you were in when we had our uh, our little together time, but... No, he wasn't How? there. He wasn't here? Uh-uh. I have a very... And give be me, careful with the question. No, no, no. I, 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 you got short, <laughs> concise, powerful answers. I like them. question is, how surprised would you be within the next... Actually, no, let me say it the other way. How long do you think it is until we have another 9-11? <laughs> I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet. Really? I'll I tell you what. As soon as they figure out how to get a nuclear device in here, we will lose the city. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. As soon as they figure out how to do it or, or where to get it through, we will lose the city. We will lose a city. Hmm. Very interesting. 
Oh, boy. It just all adds up so incredibly. The Edge of Darkness with Mel Gibson, the plot there, that supports it 100%. Some of All Fears. All these movies are prophetic. They're essentially telling us exactly what's going to happen. It's amazing. Anyway, let us continue forward. Praise God. Here we go. Inside paper, Pentagon reports uh, reports warn that America is at risk and unprepared for an alien invasion. And uh, I find it it makes me smile when people say things like, "Oh, it's it's all going to be you know Project Blue Beam. It's going to be faked and fake, 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 fake." And I said, "You got another thing coming. <laughs> They're going to have their minds absolutely blown." I pray in the name of Jesus that we are not here. Okay, I am expecting, I'm believing uh, that David Doetry's vision uh, of the rapture and the large copper spherical spaceship, by the way, which was also seen in a vision by Augusto Perez, Pastor Augusto Perez, um, I I believe that that is, um, that's the real deal. That's what I believe. But I happen to know him. I have had him on the show several times, and that's one of the advantages that you have when you do this kind of work. Now, there's disadvantages as well, but um, we'll talk a little bit about that you know, in the later segment of the show. That's one of the things I wanted to mention on the last, but we ran out of time as always. Um, but what I failed probably to communicate adequately is these people like Howard Storm, who was taken to heaven uh, and, you know, before he came back. To, I had a four-hour conversation with Howard Storm. You know, other people would just go, well, why do you believe anything that he says? How do you know he's even telling the truth? Look, when you have a four-hour conversation with somebody, one of the things that's consistent is when someone goes to heaven, and if they're an atheist or whatever, and they die on an operating table, and they they end up going to heaven, whatever the case is, to be counseled by God or Jesus or whatever the case is, one of the things that's consistent with 100% of all of them is that when they come back, they're totally changed. And they want to do nothing but serve the Lord. And that's, that's 100% across the board, 100% across the board. Well, when Howard Storm came back to the earth, he became a uh, minister, a pastor. He went down to South America. He worked with um, uh, missionaries, and they went into the deepest, uh, darkest parts of the jungles, and they were divine, there was divine healing. People were being healed from deadly diseases and blindness and everything else. And he was down there for something to the effect of several years, okay, working for on behalf of the Lord. So the, it's, it, the, the pattern of who he says he is and what happened to him is, to me, absolutely undeniable because it, the pattern's perfect. It's the same as, uh, you know, so I know as a fact who, he, who the guy is. I've talked to him for hours and hours. I talked to Odin Hetrick's daughter for hours and hours and hours. Okay, so you know, you hear Odin Hetrick on YouTube. I talked to her, you know, Odin Hetrick's daughter for four hours. See, that's the difference, and that's where I get a lot of the information that I have. Uh, It's it's um, extracurricular communication with the people that are guests on the program, and I learn a lot of things. And a lot of these things they will not talk about live on the air because they don't feel like people are prepared for it. So they keep it in a believability realm that um, allows them to get their message out without people flipping the off switch. Let's put it that way. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Massive fire chicken farm. Okay. So uh, it was developing news, but now it's 
old news. Multiple fire departments and emergency personnel have responded to the scene. One of the largest chicken farms in the United States, Babylon, in Bryan, Texas, was, yes, you guessed it, burnt down. So they're doing it again. They're making their rounds. We can expect a whole bunch more of that noise. All right, next one up. Iran will attack United States Navy ships. Reports are coming out that Iran will hit United States naval vessels in the Persian Gulf if the United States attacks Iranian naval vessels in the Red Sea. Wow. Iran has a huge arsenal of anti-ship missiles, including anti-ship ballistic missiles with a range of over 1,500 kilometers. On Many of these are hypersonic. Can't shoot them down. So, yeah sit and duck kind of a thing. All right. Um, also, um, just like Lloyd Austin and um, people are disappearing. Well-known people are disappearing. Lloyd Austin is not Lloyd Austin. Okay. They, they put up a fake. Okay. Just like they did with Fetterman. Fetterman is not Fetterman. That isn't Fetterman. It doesn't look like Fetterman. It doesn't talk like Fetterman. It doesn't have the brain of Fetterman. Forget it. These people are props. They're put up in these positions to play a role. And people are just can't understand how people can believe it, but unfortunately, that's the case. Well, anyway, this particular report is about um, Lloyd, I'm sorry, uh, 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 Attorney General Merrick Garland having to undergo surgery, according to the Justice Department. It always seems to be tied to them going to the hospital for some reason. Next thing you know, a fake one comes out. So we'll have to wait and see what happens with that, but whatever. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Six pro-lifers prayed and were sent to jail. Yes, you heard me right. The Biden Department of Justice, uh, and I should say the Department of Reptilian Injustice, just convicted six pro-lifers who now face 11 years in jail. What did they do? They prayed. They sang some hymns and then held a peaceful demonstration outside of an abortion clinic in 2021. And all six of them will be sent to jail for 11 years. Next one up. Iran and Jordan warn each other. The Iranian government is claiming that they have received several messages from the United States through back channels over the past few days since the drone attack in Jordan, stating that they do not want war with Iran, but if the conflict in the Middle East was expanded, they would take action. Iran further stated that they also did not want war, but the targeting of Iranian territory would be a red line, which includes the ships which would be met with a uh, what they call appropriate force. Now, what does that mean? I don't know. We're just going to have to wait and see. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Next one up. The feds prepare for a bank crisis. Boy, we've heard this story before. While telling Americans that the economy is strong, federal re- regulators are preparing for a proposal to force United States banks to utilize the Federal Reserve's discount window in preparation for future bank crises. Okay, now, am I a financial person? No. I read the articles. But quite honestly, it's all fake. When they want it to collapse it, they're going to collapse it. It really is just that simple. There isn't going to be an event and a bank that goes down that's going to cause all the other banks to fall. That's what a lot of people think because they don't understand that the whole thing is being held up until they, these entities that are on the board of directors of Satan himself, are that make a decision to say, okay, now is the time. It's going to be totally choreographed, and it is going to trigger a massive – I mean, really what they need to do, they need the world to explode into war. And they, they I'm not talking about just shooting missiles back and forth between Iran and the United States Navy ships and Yemen and all this other stuff. No, forget that. 
That's a sideline. They they want people in the in the middle of the United States shooting each other. Millions of people shooting each other. And of course, the military personnel that have made it across the border uh, are going to be joining in. It's going to be absolutely unbelievable. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Another headline up right now. United States may strike inside of Iran, they say. A senior United States official has told NBC News that the Biden administration, alongside of defense officials, are preparing for a military campaign in the Middle East, which could last for several weeks. <laughs> and include strikes on Iranian and Iranian-backed forces in Iraq, Syria, as well as cyber attacks against targets likely located inside of Iran. Another headline reads, North Korea fires several cruise missiles in a third test in less than a week. Pyongyang is ramping up arms testing as it seeks to develop more sophisticated weaponry, as it seeks to prepare <clears throat> for the inevitable Sinking of a United States aircraft carrier and massive attack against Seoul. But we already know that's coming. We covered that a couple of shows ago. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Chinese hackers are preparing to, quote, wreak havoc on American citizens' communities, according to the FBI uh, director, Christopher Wray. Now, we already know that this man lies so much. So much that his entire face ought to look like a gigantic bovine feces patty. Okay, but anyway, that's what we got, guys. I mean, you know, guys and gals. <laughs> okay, well, that's what we got to deal with. And unfortunately, we know enough to know. And there's, uh, it's good, but it's also highly troubling news as, as we all, um, it's, a, it's a burden. Okay, it's a burden. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So anyway, um, on that note, I'm going to go ahead and try to pick up where we left off um, as best as we can um, on uh, the uh, topic of the radio show tonight. I'm trying to find – oh, it's so grayed out in my eyesight. My goodness. Um, so – Creation, the angel wars, a universe, dimensions, who are we, why are we here, and all that kind of stuff. Which, by the way, like I said, it's about four shows worth of material. Um, but we'll see what we can what we can accomplish tonight uh, thus far. Praise God. So thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's go ahead and move in um, uh, on that. All right. Praise Jesus. And uh, uh, right before we do, let's go ahead and take a little um, – I'm just taking a look. Oh, here's a good one. This is a song from Cease Taylor, also known as Nikki Taylor. That's his nickname, Cease's nickname. Uh, and this is a classic. And here we go. Thank you. 
Yeah, this uh, the new soundboard has an adjustable fader, and I can fade it out to seven seconds or yeah, way longer if I want to. So there's a lot of features, but unfortunately, they forced me to spend some royal duckies on it. But I thought, well, at the speed we're <laughs> moving forward right now, might as well. All right. So anyway, um, now let me just think here for a second. Um, no. Let me see here. So I want to set the stage real quick by doing a little bit of repetition from the last show because I I really think it establishes um, a starting point. So let me go ahead and play this. This is how we're doing. Oh, it's not going in. Five, four, three, two. Everything's monetized now. One. Here we go. Come on, Howard. Hurry yet. Other Life in the Universe from Howard Storm. Howard. Um, I asked them if there were other worlds, and they said, yeah, um, the universe is full of other worlds, and there are other dimensions of other physical universes, and those are filled with other worlds. So there's worlds in, in our physical universe. There's unlimited number of worlds, inhabited worlds with intelligent beings, and then there are other dimensions with worlds with them. So, um, you know, beyond counting, beyond number, and that the action of God, the Word of God, the Son of God, the Christ, the Spirit of the Christ, has um, nothing as apart from that Spirit. And um, that Christ has been everywhere. Now, Jesus the carpenter wasn't Jesus the carpenter in every single one of these worlds because um, in many of these worlds, this is the, our world is in the lower level of spiritual evolution. And in many of these worlds, Jesus didn't have to go to a world and be crucified and die on a cross for the sins because there are worlds where people were have chosen good and rejected evil and lived a life profoundly in the love of God and in the love of their neighbor. And so um, Jesus would, could go to these worlds and just bless them. <laughs> and they were, you know, happily accepted Jesus. I mean, what a different, can you imagine a world where Jesus came and people said, yes, you know, um, we, we knew and understood this is what you wanted us to be and we thank you for being a revelation and we've known you from time, from the beginning of time we've known you and understood you and tried to live the way that you have, you know, wanted us to live. Um, there are worlds where people are perfectly good and have um, no sin and don't allow evil to be part of their lives. Um, this world is unique because of the degree of um, not only temptation, but the willingness to um, accept temptation and failing the testing that we're in. 
uh, when I asked to see what other intelligent beings look like, they paraded images of beings in front of me, and they started off as humans. And then they got a little stranger looking and a little stranger looking, and then they became unrecognizable as human beings and looked very weird. And um, I said, okay, I get it. They can be like shaped in very different ways. Fine, whatever, you know, I get it. You know, I mean, in other words, they, um, there's worlds where people have this kind of shape, but there's worlds where people take on um, very different kinds of shapes. All right. <clears throat> Praise God. So anyway, I wanted to set that as the foundation again as we move forward and attempt to cover such a vast amount of information. <clears throat> now, many of the things, you know, so I'm going to share this like I did before. My disclaimer for tonight's program is, hey, look, you know, if you don't believe it, that's totally cool. Nobody has to believe any of this stuff. Okay, that's not, you know, but if you are a seeker of mysteries and understanding, you really want to understand what I've been led to understand through the blessing of doing this radio show for 13 years and talking to fellows. I mean, I had that conversation with Howard Storm for four hours. We talked about all kinds of cool stuff. He wanted to really talk the most about his missionary days down in South America, which is exactly what someone who was taken to heaven would want to talk about. So for me, there was absolutely no question in my mind that he was 100% legitimate, and we were very blessed. I may dig that show up and play it as a best-of show so you can hear him share additional details uh, with the listening audience. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I need to establish some glossary, reestablish some glossary of terms. A son of God is, by definition, a being that is created in, by the heavenly office of God for the purpose of serving the heavenly office of God. That doesn't mean that an octopus in the ocean is a son of God. It doesn't mean that an army ant is a son of God. It's not how it works. Okay, and we see this evidenced throughout our scripture, of course. Okay, so you've got the dynamic um, in the book of Job where it talks about Job 38, 31 through 33. It says, Kent's God's daring. He's making a dare. Canst thou bring forth the Maseroth, the constellations, in their seasons, or canst thou guide Arcturus with his sons? Now, I had become really good friends with a man by the name of Dr. Jerry Lee. Now, he has since passed on, but he has written some incredible books. I have to dig up mine of his. Boy, let me tell you something. I spent probably more than 100 hours on the phone talking to Dr. Jerry Lee. Dr. Jerry Lee was a physicist who was led to serve the Lord. And the Lord had done some incredible things with him, and he claimed that he was taken to Arcturus, and he had actually met these sons of God that lived on that particular planet. Okay, um, so again, um, 
it's fascinating. You know, I had no reason to call him into question. I know people have been taken to other planets. I know that Elena has. I know that Brother Robert Vandrius Mitchell has. I mean, we're very blessed. Now, does that mean that everybody's going to believe? I don't care if they believe. It's, it's irrelevant to me. Um, there's an off switch in people that are uncomfortable with these kinds of subjects and just want to believe that God is smushed into a teeny-weeny little 12-ounce Coca-Cola can, and he, he isn't that big and that awesome. That's fine. Go ahead and believe that. But you're in for a big surprise. I guarantee it. Now. So anyway, um, as part of this dynamic, it's important to understand the terminology and why it works that way. So how many people out there have heard the, um, the, uh, the term, you know, especially in, in the prophetic realm, Yea, saith the Lord of hosts. He used to wonder about that all the time. Why is there a Lord of hosts? And what does that mean? Well, it's because... <clears throat> there are spirit bodies and there are host bodies. When we die on the operating table, our light body, our spirit body, comes out of the clay body, okay, which is the host body. And then um, people exclaim about how brilliant all the colors are, how amazing all of their senses are. So we're trapped inside of a host body. And unfortunately, the side effect of that is that we, our sense, sense and sensitivities are greatly diminished. Okay. But the concept of a host body, when a being, a being is inside of a host body, one of the things that is evident is that you can shoot them and kill them, just like the giants. You, you know, if you read, read about the giants, you will discover in the Book of Enoch that they, you know, when they kill the giant, that the soul energy uh, that would animate the giant and make it do gianty things um, would go immediately. They're, they're known as twice dead. This is captured in the Book of Jude, and they would go immediately and become a demon in the spiritual realm or the demonic realm or whatever. I prefer that. So anyway, um, uh, so they're twice dead, so that means that there's no s salvation for them. Okay, so once you kill their body, their soul energy goes directly into the demonic realm and they become a demon. Now, this dynamic also is applicable to fallen angelic beings. Now, remember that so let me go ahead and read this to you, and then we'll continue forward. So I have this book, and you have to understand I stitched probably more than 100 sources of people, books, articles, oh my goodness gracious, over 15 years. So while everybody else was writing books and doing whatever it is they do, I was I knew that the Lord had called me to deal with the alien situation. But it it's for it's multi-purposed. It's not just to help people understand the threat, but it's also to help people understand how big this is, how huge this is, how exciting this is for all of us. Okay, and so I'm going to go ahead and read something to you now. First off, one of the sources of information, and this is one of dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of sources of information that I have, books that I've read, whatever the case is, people that have been on the show. This particular book can no longer be purchased, and if you can't find it, you'll be lucky to touch it for $700 at the lowest I've seen it. Anyway, um, it's entitled UFOs, Aliens, Impregnated Women, Extraterrestrials, and God. Sex with Reptilians, Aliens, Motherhood, and the Bible, Abductions, and Hybrids by Maximilian de Lafayette. In my personal opinion, even though he's written about 20 books all about aliens and stuff, this is his bar none, the very best work he has ever done because it really does pull together. He 
It's a biblical theme. It's a biblical theme, but in a otherworldly scope. Okay, so um, and what he did was he traveled around the world and stuff. That's what he does, and he interviews people from all kinds of countries everywhere, and he collects information, and then he he puts it all together, and then he bakes it into a book, such as this one. Well, on page 83 of this particular book, it talks about the Orions. Now, you, you heard, you know, so let's go ahead and scroll back down to the Bible. And we have um, Job 9, verses 5 through 10, verse 9 says, Which maketh Arcturus, Orion, and the Pleiades, and the chambers of the south. There you have proof positive that our Heavenly Father refers to the north, south, east, and west as parts of the universes. Okay? So we oftentimes, as tiny little peanut-brained humans, look at stuff about the north and we go, Oh, it must be referring to Russia! No, it must not. But unfortunately, if you don't have these foundations down, you're going to be lost. All right. And then, of course, you've got, um, you know, Job 38, 31, where it says, Canst thou bind the sweet influences of the Pleiades or loose the bands of Orion? Loose the bands. Now, what would a band do? It would stop somebody from going. If, you, if, you, if God has the ability to loose these bands of Orion, then he's talking about something that would block, it would prevent beings, creatures, uh, entities um, in spaceships or whatever the case is. They can't go to that part of the universe. Now, you know, I never really, you know, you put the things together, you stitch them together as you're doing additional reading, and then you have these, you flip out. You're like, you're blown away. I mean, if I had a dime for every time I almost fell off my chair, I mean, my goodness gracious, it's unbelievable. So I'm going to read this to you. I'm going to read several passages from this book that are going to blow your mind. They shouldn't be here, but they are. And they align to the Bible radically so. It's absolutely mind-shattering. So he's talking about the Lafayette in his interviews of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people across the world, of people who had been in the presence of these various beings and stuff. He collected data about them, and he says, some claim, regarding the Orions, he says, some claim that negative entities have been associated with some of the stars in the Orion constellation. Other sources claim that the Orion Nebula, listen very closely to this, other sources claim that the Orion Nebula is a cosmic doorway to infinity or the realm of the Creator, which transcends the time-space-matter universe and which is, in, uh, which is, in fact, surrounds the physical universe. Okay, now, folks, please think about that for a second. So what that means is when Einstein said we live in a hologram, albeit a very convincing one, he was talking about quantum physics and subatomic particles and the fact that really we we're just living in a particle universe. We're in a hologram. We are, in fact, in a hologram. Now, when you look at what this is saying, it's trying to explain that the realm of infinity, the real realm, not the fake holographic trap, this prison that we are trapped in right now, as uh, you know, as we're paying the price for past things that have occurred. And I'll get to that shortly. Um, and um, But anyway, uh, 
this notion that we've only we only existed that the whole story is wrapped around you know some girl named Eve that ate about apple and all this kind of stuff no 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 the story of Adam and Eve is extremely metaphorical and um, and you know while Dr. Joy doesn't embrace uh, intergalactic life she definitely understands that the story of uh, Adam and Eve is extremely metaphorical and there's a lot so does Zen so does Brother Zen and there's a lot of things that Brother Zen doesn't share that, and things that he believes that I don't believe. And nobody believes 100% the same as one another. If we did, we wouldn't, we wouldn't grow. Somebody has to go where no man has gone before. So anyway, here we have through the Bible, through this book written by Maximilian, um, and uh, you know the testimonies of the people and whatnot, we know now that the part of the universe that we are in right now is a it's a hologram. So you have to, if you're a star, little bit of a Star Trek fan and you have seen you know, Star Trek Next Generation or whatever the case is, they would stand on the holodeck outside of the holodeck and they'd be having some drinks or whatever at the bar. And they would be watching people dancing, you know, minuets and stuff because they would be all dressed up in 1700s, you know, garb and dancing, uh, you know, and, and together. And, you know, it, it was a holodeck. And it, to them, the people that were in the holodeck, in the actual hologram, it was very real. But the people that were standing outside of the hologram, it was a hologram. Okay. Well, we can't see the stuff that's outside of the hologram. We're trapped in here. Okay. But when you understand quantum mechanics, when you understand particle physics, when you understand that if you shrink yourself down to the size of a quark, for example, you would be able to float through a piece of granite and you would never know that there is a rock there at all. You would see nothing. You just cruise right along. The scientists and the physicists of the world, even the best of the best, do not understand, and this is what they call the God particle, they do not understand what holds mass together. To this day, they don't. All right, so it's in, it's, these are important concepts for us to, to be able to grasp because um, the fallen angelic creatures that we that are re, one of the most popular – I don't want to call them popular, but pervasive. That's what I want to – the ones that there's so many of are the draconians and the reptilian beings. The reason why there are so many different types of reptilian beings, like the Nagas in, in, in uh, uh, India and uh, – there's different species of them. The reason is because the Anunnaki actually did dork around with their DNA 400,000 years ago. And they were trying to make a, uh, a slave race to mine gold in southern Africa. And I've actually uh, – I didn't meet with, but I um, studied under uh, an individual who wrote a book regarding um, you know, the uh, a dig, an archaeological dig where they believed was the central headquarters of where the Anunnaki – races were operating from. So that, so it, it, it's a long story. I have some old radio shows that I did with Brother Zen Garcia years ago. I have found many of them that I had lost track of, and I'm going to resurrect them as, a, um, as best of shows as time permits. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So a lot of that material, uh, the, uh, the just incredible things about civilized man and Enki, the lying sack of demonic whatever that that thing is. I'm not going to get into all that. I, unfortunately, that's for a whole other show. Otherwise, I'll get lost into a rabbit hole and we won't make any progress. All right, praise God. So it's very important to understand, yea, saith the Lord of hosts, is, re, is, is a reference to our Heavenly Father referring to 
um, beings that are in host bodies, such as we are. That's why I strongly recommend foundationally that you need to dig up the movie Starman with Jeff Bridges, and you will be able to see a lot of these principles baked into the storyline, the plot line of that movie, which is actually clean and very good. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right. So. Then, of course, you have spirit bodies. Now, let's differentiate them in the Bible, and you're going to have to do your own Bible reading. I don't have time to look these all up. But we all know that when the angel, when the spirit angel had uh, come upon Daniel after the, um, you know, the 21-day fast, he had the angel, when he showed up in front of Daniel, scared Daniel half to death. Okay, he had a face like barrel, eyes like lightning or whatever, and Daniel threw himself prostrate on the ground. Ah! You've got to really be there. You know, you can't just read the text and go, oh, wow, kind of sounds like Daniel was a little afraid. No, it, he was horrified. So when it says in the book of Hebrews that we must be careful who we, how we entertain people because we might unwittingly entertain an angel, I don't know about you, but I'm not having scrambled eggs at the local whatever, uh, with an angel like the one that approached Daniel. So what kind of angel is that? That kind of angel is an angel that in, uh, incarnates. We're not talking about reincarnation here. This is very important. The devil twists things. He has, he has no original ideas. He steals everything from our Heavenly Father and our Lord Jesus, and then he twists it just a little bit. A little bit of leaven spoils the whole lump. And then it becomes – so that it's the difference between the concept of incarnation versus the concept of reincarnation. Reincarnation is the devil's lie, okay? And incarnation is exceedingly common in our existence, which is why – Jesus said, and I don't have the scriptures handy. You're going to have to look it up. Hopefully you have a good electronic concordance. But he said, he said, and John the Baptist is Elijah, if you can receive it. See, whenever Jesus would say, if you can receive it, that's his way of telling you, you're not going to figure it out. But fortunately, we were also told in Luke 18 that we would come upon a time eventually, which we're at now, where all the mysteries would be revealed. Lines upon lines, precepts upon precepts, here are the little, there a little. All right, so anyway, why would Jesus say, John the Baptist is Elijah, if you can receive it? And yes, I could look it up, but I'm not going to bother. You can look it up yourself. All right, praise God. Um, but anyway, the reason is because, to me, and this is what I believe, because it seems so self-evident, I can't imagine why it wouldn't be, so everybody, as I grew up in churchianity, they would tell me things like, well, you know, John the Baptist, you know, he, he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit inside the womb, and that's why he was jumping around and all this other stuff. And I'm like, oh, yeah? Where's that in the text? It ain't there. And then you look at what, John, what Jesus said about John, you know, that Elijah, you know, John the Baptist, you know, is Elijah. If you can receive it, I thought to myself, oh, okay, he incarnated into the host body of John the Baptist. Anyway, so when you understand the concept of incarnation, okay, reference the movie Starman with Jeff Bridges, you'll see that whole thing go down uh, and all that. Um, but anyway, they, the angel, the spirit 
embodied the spirit versions of the angelic beings have the ability to incarnate into a host body. Now, how they go about creating that host body, I think it's probably very similar to what you see in the Starman movie with Jeff Bridges. All right. That's just my take. All right. But anyway, they definitely have the ability to do that because we know that the Watchers were holy Watchers before they decided to come down and do the uh, hoochie-coochie with the women on the earth. And then God cursed them. Okay, then they were twice dead. Because when they died, well, you can believe it. They went straight into the demonic realm. All right, and probably worse. Now, anyway, um, so you, so now you know the different. You understand the concept of a host body. You understand the concept of a spirit body, a light being, which is what we are. We're beings of light and love. That's awesome. That's just so awesome. You can't put it into words. We are in a particle hologram. We live in a hologram. It is designed for the purpose of containing us here, for containing the other fallen entities here. They don't have the ability to fly through the Orion Nebula, through that portal that goes through the cosmic doorway to the infinity realm of the Creator. So we're in a containment zone here. Exactly how big it is, I don't know. I don't know how far away the Orion Nebula is, and I don't know exactly. I mean, who cares? Anyway, that's the point. And there's so many scriptures that back this. It, you could just you could spend hours on this. Um, you know, where we are right now is temporal, and you know, the eternal realm is in its own the Bible. All right. So anyway, um, it's very important that you understand that now. What else is very important to understand is the concept of when an angel is a man angel, a men angel, you know, and, and uh, they sometimes manifest in female bodies, probably so, but for the most part, the stories in the Bible, they are in men bodies. And again, the two men angels that went over to Lot's house, perfect example. Um, you've got um, so so again, what you know, they're not spirit. They're not embodied in light. They're not spirit angels, spirit body angels. These were in men bodies. And the creepy crawlies that wanted to get to them wanted to get to them because they were in good-looking men bodies. And that was the whole deal. Now, they have limitations. When they are inside of a host body, there are limitations to what they're able to do by comparison to what they're able to do when they're in spirit bodies. When they're in spirit bodies, they have the ability to move interdimensionally at will and to do – they can do a few things, but they can't do all the things. They're not able to interact inside the hologram in 100% compatibility because they are in a spirit body. They have limitations to what they're able to do, which explains why the men angels in the story of Lot were trapped inside the house. If they were spirit angels, they would have just made the roof of the house vanish and flew right out there with Lot and his wife and took off down the wherever, the valley, and uh, you know, and it would have been all over. But no, they were uh, offering up the, the, the girls, which I found rather distasteful, but whatever. Okay, so um, – but you have to understand when you, when you go back and you analyze these things and you look at the multiple times in the Bible where it talks about men angels, and there's a bunch of them, uh, it, it, there's always limitations. So ask yourself this question. If you incarnated into a man body, man or woman, Okay, as a an angel. And, and and an angel, again, like I said before, it's just a class. It's like saying you're in the military. Uh the term actually means messenger. But that that's a 
it's just kind of ambiguous. I mean, in reality, I, I like the military thing. You're a son of God. You know, you were created by God, by the heavenly office of God, to work on behalf of the heavenly office of God. Now, if they're in host bodies, they have limitations to what they're able to do. In fact, if they're in a host body and they're standing in a parking lot with you having a conversation, you haven't quite figured out that they're an angel yet, and it starts to rain, do they need an umbrella? And the answer would be yes. They do need an umbrella. If they're going to sit down and have scrambled eggs with you, as the book of Hebrews says that they might, are they going to need a fork to eat the eggs, or are they going to slurp them up like some kind of an animal? No, they're going to use a fork. A fork and an umbrella are what's known as technologies. You might say, wait a minute, it's got to be electronic. It's got to have flashing lights, or it can't be a technology. No, that is not true. That is not true. In fact, clothing is a type of technology. So what we discover rather rapidly when we're paying attention to the details of such things is that when they're in host bodies, they need protection. So if they are in outer space and they are in a host body, guess what they need protection from? Outer space, which is why they need to be inside of a space ship. A chariot, you say. Hmm. Yes, I do say. And I have proof. Um, and I'll play that for you in a little while. Praise God. All right. Um, but anyway, um, so um, when we are being presented with, um, you know, I, I even have an audio bite of uh, Gary Stearman, who used to be uh, on the Prophecy Something Whatever uh, show. Uh, and he, um, he, he gives testimony of how he was saved. His life was saved by a, what he believed were angels inside of a technology, the UFO. And he explained exactly what happened, how it went down, and why he knew beyond any shadow of a doubt he was certain that they were God's angels inside the ship, Gary Stearman. All right. So anyway... Um, this is awesome stuff. Um, I, I, you know, I've, uh, I could go on. There's other pastors out there. Ken, uh, Ken, uh, what's his name? I can't forget. I'll, I'll think of it in a second. <clears throat> There's, it's so gushing. So many sources. It's a absolutely unbelievable. And. I kept on saying, wow, this is amazing. And the more it opened up, the more I learned, the more I learned, the more I learned, the more I learned, the more I learned. The more books I'd read, the more I would learn. And, and, uh, and it just kept on getting bigger. The more I – once you – you know, it's kind of like this concept. When you are told that there is a really cool new car out, have you seen the 2024 Camaro? No, I haven't. What's it look like? And somebody shows you what the 2024 Camaro is. And all of a sudden, at every red light that you stop it, there's one of those 2024 Camaros. So until you're shown it, you don't even see it. But once your eyes are opened, they're everywhere. And that's how learning about these things actually works. Once you go to the next level of your understanding, you take a listen to somebody's testimony like Odin Hedrick or Dimitri Dudeman or whatever the case is, and you go, did he actually say that? And he did. But most people will listen to the testimony and they will not hear it because nobody showed them the Camaro yet. All right. All right. So anyway, um, establishing these fundamentals are very important. Um, when an angel is has a job that they, excuse me, that they have to do, 
wherever that realm is that they have to go. If they have to go into a realm where they need to interact 100% with the beings on that planet, then they're going to need to incarnate into a host body in order to have 100% functionalities in that realm. Now, if they're just going through the dimensions to scare the heck out of Daniel, well, that's a different story. All right, praise God. All right, so enough said about that. Now, um, oh, this is, I'm going to start playing some audio bites to, to support these. Now, I did mention Kat Kerr. I, look, you know, like I said, I know she's part of the NAR group. She's part of the Seven Mountains Mandate folks and everything like that, and she's telling everybody to put the rapture stuff away because she believes it, and that's fine. Okay, everybody's flawed. Everybody believes something that's wrong, including me, I'm sure. But she did mention one of her books, which I've read both of, um, that there is a creation laboratory, a creation lab in heaven where we are taught how to create. Now, this made total sense to me because I knew just instinctively, and I studied the text, the raw text, but not just what was in any given Bible translation. I went down into the Septuagint. I spent four hours digging, and I realized that the man and woman beings that were in Genesis 1 were not Adam and Eve. They were not. When it says, let us create them in our image, that was, those were creator gods. Okay, so Jesus and our Heavenly Father uses the sons of God to plant the heavens. And by the way, that you will find that reference inside the Holy Bible in Isaiah 56. Um, and, um, oh, I don't want to lose my place here. How do I bring up another tab? Um, Bibles, let's see if I can do it this way. All right, praise God. So, um, no, because that's not going to work. I'm Okay, I'm just going to have to bite the bullet and type plant plus H-E-A-V star. Okay, let's see if it pulls up like it should. Ah, and Isaiah, whoops, I was bad, naughty me. Isaiah 51, verse 16 says, And I put my words into your mouth and covered you with the shadow of my hand, that I may plant the heavens and lay the foundations of the earth. All right? And plant the heavens. What's that all about? Plant the heavens? Wait a minute. Didn't God go to all the trillions of universes, all the trillions and trillions of planets out there, all the different dimensions, all the different universes? Didn't he go there personally himself? No, he didn't. He deputizes his sons of God, which is why when a person has the gift of or whatever, or is you know we're told that uh, in uh, Mark sixteen, sixteen, seventeen, and eighteen, you know, and these signs will follow those who believe. They will, and it says, you know, they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. God works through his sons of God. Okay, it's the power of Jesus that moves through us. And causes that like with Paul when the when the when the beggar was at the at the uh, entrance to the to the temple, okay, and 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 he lifted out his hands and Paul you know said silver and gold have I not and his hand grew out. Did Paul do that? No, Paul didn't do that. That was the power of Jesus going through Paul. So we are the conduits of the miracle power of God as sons of God. 
But see, it's not just limited to making a person's hands grow out. It's not just limited to casting out devils and demons. I mean, yes, in the realm that we're in right now, there are some limitations, of course. But not later. When we are ruling and reigning with Jesus Christ, we are going to, some of us will have powers to do things by our designation. Okay. Now, I don't know exactly how that works, but I can guarantee you that in Genesis 1, when they said, let us create them in our image, those were creator gods. That's exactly what they were. And when they were creating a man and a woman, they were creating the Neanderthal man, the Cro-Magnon man, whatever the case is. Now, why is there a disconnect you know, through what they tried to pawn off as evolution between the different early man versions, okay? They, they always come out and they say, well, we're not able to really stitch together exactly how Neanderthal became Cro-Magnon, et cetera, and all this other stuff. Well, the reason for that is because they're, they changed. When the Anunnaki were dorking around, they started to dork around with the early Cro-Magnon or whatever the case is, and they did DNA experiments with them as well. And it wasn't until they found civilized man when Enki was flying around in his spaceship and he stumbled across civilized man and he went back and he told all of his buddies the demonic presence that he was. He said, hey, I found civilized man and they can talk and they can farm and they can do all kinds of things that these other ones can't. And then he tried to tell them that it was him that had, you know, uh, relations and created them, which, of course, is a lie from the devil because that's exactly what these things are. They're devils. But they're in host bodies. All right. So anyway, um, the, you know, the, the, um, these, these are – oh, it just goes on and on. Every plant which my Heavenly Father has not planted, you know, just, uh, just all kinds of cool stuff. So anyway, um, also there is a uh, – I forget where it is, and I don't want to look it up because it takes time. But there is – if you do your own homework and you search with a good electronic concordance, you will also discover that there is a reference in the Bible to the – Valley, I believe it says Valley of Forgetfulness. All right, now I'm going to bring this up, and let me go ahead. I guess I will pull it up. Uh, forget star. And we'll just hit the Old Testament on this one and see what we find. Oh, no, no, no. Okay, I'm going to have to do a more wider, more, I'm sorry, precise. So we'll go forgetfulness. Enter. And there it is. Uh, Psalm 88:12. It says, "Shall your wonders be known in the dark, and your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness?" What is the land of forgetfulness? I'll tell you a little bit about forgetfulness. So, Oregon was one of the early church fathers who clearly believed beyond any shadow of a doubt that we pre-existed. He had proof. He dug it up in the Holy Bible in the 66-book canon. He didn't even use the Apocrypha, which, by the way, gives you a major advantage. And, um, and Zen Garcia is an expert on the Apocrypha, I would say, no doubt about it. So was Dr. Jerry Lee, who I spent over 100 hours on the telephone with. Now, the co- what had happened is Adam and Eve is not the whole story. If you go back in time, long, long, long ago, there were wars in the heavens. Now, the wars in the heavens are still taking place. They're discussed in, uh, you know, uh, Revelation chapter 12, etc. Um, but they're still happening even now. Um, I, I have audio, I have video that, that shows very large spaceships, some of them larger than planet Earth, around the corona of the sun, because they can be seen much easier when they're close to the sun, and they're shooting laser beams at, at one another. Who's shooting at who? Now, 
and you've got the Ed Grimsley's uh, uh, War in Heaven stuff, and you know, uh, with the third third generation night vision goggles, and you can see uh, UFOs flying all around in in uh, in the uh, uh, in the atmosphere of the planet Earth, and they they're shooting laser beams. I have so many videos of these things, terabytes probably. Uh, I don't even know how many. So anyway, I, I have studied this for quite some time. I have uh, been stu- and and I thought to myself, wow. You know, I knew then that these were a, you know, what are they, who are they warring with? And so then you start to put two and two together. You start to take a deeper look. If you go out and you find, um, it, the man's name is Professor Luganbill. And I forget, um, hold on just a second. Let me see if I can find it. Luganbill. Um, Luganbill and oh gosh, what did he call it? He didn't call it. Um, I'll just try Great Tribulation because I know that's one of the topics that he covers. Coming Tribulation. Yep, 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 yep. That's good. That's good. That's good. Coming Tribulation by Dr. R. D. Luganbill. All right. So type in Luganbill. Uh, Great Tribulation will take you to the home page, and in there you can do some digging around. But in the I'm not saying that I agree with everything that Luganville says. And I tried to bring Luganville on the radio show, but he's like, I'm just not a radio show sort of guy and all that kind of stuff. But if you go digging around and rifling through his stuff, he has some really fantastic articles that reveal the details behind Lucifer and the wars in the heavens. Okay, And he ties them back to myriads of scriptures. Okay, um, the King of Tyre and all that kind of stuff, and it's a, it's really an amazing study. And if you go in there, it just it just wraps it all in a really nice biblical package. But the reality is, let's just shave off all the fluffy stuff and go right to the point. These wars in the heavens, when the universe was created, when the rules of all the heavens were created, there were three beings present. It was our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the only begotten Son. So it's kind of like an amoeba splitting. Jesus is part of the Father. They are one energy, light being together. But Jesus essentially can walk outside of the Father and become his own individual person, and he is still God. Okay, They are one and the same, and that is what begotten means. They are one and the same, but they are separate if they want to be. Uh, I have testimonies of people that have been to heaven that have seen Jesus walk inside of our Heavenly Father and become one. Now, that is not something that Lucifer has ever been able to do. When Lucifer, um, he was the first created being. Now, that meant that he was pretty darn important to our Heavenly Father. So in the very, very, very beginning of time, when they were creating the universes and all these galaxies and life forms and all that other stuff, Lucifer was there at the architectural table with our Heavenly Father and Jesus, which is one of the reasons why a lot of, you know, I think it's the Mormons who get confused, or is it the Jehovah's Witnesses? Somebody out there thinks that uh, Jesus and Lucifer are brothers, and that's absolutely false. But anyway, um, <clears throat> So that's one of the reasons why the evil entities on the earth, the Masonic Lodge, the Scottish Rite, and all these others out there, they're told that the secret to understanding the Bible is you've got to turn everything upside down, just like it says in, in Isaiah. But the problem is when they do that, they're, con- they're, going, they're turning the Bible to a demonic understanding. They see Lucifer as the great architect of the universe, because that's what Lucifer wants them to believe. But he was not. He was present at the time. He was involved. 
but he was not it. Okay, and remember when Lucifer, when sin was found in him, take close note of how that was stated, found in him. Our Heavenly Father was not micromanaging Lucifer. Lucifer was placed in charge of the Morning Star office, which is a several parsecs, I suppose, of the heaven, you know, the, the, see, the kingdom of God is all the universes and all of creation. The kingdom of heaven are the planet or the main, main planet where God resides, where you see it in Hebrews 12:22. You have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, to a heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to just men made perfect. That is referring to the mountain where God lives. It's like a mesa. Okay, and up there is where all the, that's also where the city mansions are located. And from each city mansion on the back vestibule, you are able to look out and see the throne room of God. How awesome is that? And the Crystal River comes down out of that and flows over the side down into the country mansion area, which is also known as the outer darkness. That is a badly chosen interpretation. Um, If you take a really serious look at that and do some deep dive study on those words, it just simply means the shadowy area. The reason why there is uh, no shadow of turning and constant light, 24 by 7 glory light, in the city of Mount Zion is because our Heavenly Father resides there and the glory is so intense and the light is so intense that 24 by 7 there is no shadows. But that is not the case where all the Thomas Kincaid city, uh, country mansions are located. Some of them are very large, especially those for people like Sammy Mwangi. God loves missionaries very, very much. Now, 99% of the people that Christians, believers, that um, go to heaven, go into the country mansion area, the suburbs, as Odin Hedrick refers to it. Now, Odin Hedrick had a city mansion. Now then, So we had both a city mansion and a country mansion. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to play for you a clip of Odin Hetrick. And so I'm going to have to go, hold on a second. It's a little bit hard to deal with so much information, but let me go ahead and scroll down. There's layout of heaven. Um, Ah, now I'm going to play this little snippet. It's two minutes and 12 seconds in length. This is uh, number 10 of the several clips. I want you to listen very carefully because you're going to hear Odin talking about when he was in heaven. And he will tell you that he saw what he refers to as little beings, little beings playing music. Okay, let's listen to this. Well, I forgot to mention that there's... Uh little angelic creatures or something that make the music. You don't put your cassette in a boombox and push the button. (laughs) No stereos? No stereos. It's just little angels that make this music. God living in us. God living in us. That is an intimacy. As the Apostle Paul says, Christ in us. Okay, so hopefully you heard him talking about the little beings that were playing music, and he said, like, you know, then he said, made crack the joke about the boombox and all that kind of stuff. All right, so that's one bite. Now, there's gazillions of other, there's, I have so many bites, it's just unbelievable. But anyway, let me just, okay, listen to this. Here, Odin Hetrick, who has taken heaven to, uh, over 80 times, like I said, I had spoken to his daughter for about four hours here at the house. <clears throat> um, uh, here he is talking about, 
when he was in the city, his city mansion. Now, how many times he's there? I don't know all that. But uh, let's listen to him talk about when he was in the city mansion. Pay very, very close to what he says, because he's going to tell you about how he ran across. He was directed by the Spirit of God to go into a room where there were two beings, a female and a male, and it freaked him out real bad. Listen to this. So the place I went was beyond description. If, suppose I would tell you that a flower stem looks like a plastic drinking straw. I mean, it, it doesn't move you, doesn't it? Doesn't. The petals made of diamonds 14 inches long which tapered out to a sharp point. And I looked around and everything was made of crystal. But the light I told you about, the colors reflecting off of these gave different reflections of color to everything. Beautiful. This is inside the city mansion. This is, this is inside my city mansion, which is in Ezekiel called the chamber. And then I saw two creatures, crystal clear, a masculine being and a feminine being. And I, oh! But then I, I noticed they didn't see me and I relaxed a little bit. And I said, Spirit of God, I don't belong here. Would you take me out of this place? After you learn your lesson, I'll take you out. Mm. So I stuck with it. And uh, after you learn your lesson. <clears throat> now, why in the world would a, would a pastor from Marysville, Pennsylvania, which was right across the Susquehanna River from where I grew up, why would he be taken into a room in his city mansion by the Spirit of God to confront two beings that scared him, a male and a female being, but on your thinking cap, ruling and reigning with Jesus Christ over all of creation has a much deeper meaning than what most can imagine. It's a big deal. All right, praise God, thank you, Jesus. So there you have a very holy man of God, uh, and I can only hope, although I know I don't deserve it, I wish I did. Or, and you know what? If I felt like I deserved it, then I would be in violation of the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, so I'm glad I have a contrite spirit, and I know as a fact that I don't deserve it. Maybe I'll get lucky. Now, I, I was talking a little bit on the last show about covenant companions. So... Behold, I come quickly, and my rewards are with me to give to each according to their work, which is what Jesus says in Revelation 22. I think it's one. So anyway, um, uh, and uh, so our rewards package, some people just get a country mansion. Some people are have been so disobedient as Christians as they were growing up. They, unfortunately, like deathbed confessionees, et cetera, et cetera, they, they're pretty far away from the city of God. Okay, and, and it, there's a thing about becoming glorified and moving up and learning more and tasks that we have to do to go help our help the people that need to move up. And it's, it's, it's a very, very big, rather complicated, but not, you know, but awesome, but awesome uh, layout of heaven. And um, so disobedient Christians, unfortunately, um, oh, I could give you like there was a testimony of one particular pastor who was taken to heaven. He was a pastor of a church. But what happened was he would take tithes and offerings from his congregation for many, many years, but he never tithed out of those tithes. 
All he did was he took the money from the people in the congregation and he put it into the roof of the building or the new parking lot or whatever the case is, but he never took any money out and tithed it back into the kingdom. When he died on his near-death experience and went to heaven, he discovered that he was going to be living in a very small apartment. It freaked him out. And long story short is when he was sent back to heaven, he sold everything that he had, and boy, did he give, 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 give. He sowed into the kingdom as hard as he possibly could because he realized that that was part of his heavenly rewards. Let us just hope for his sake that he did it out of the love of his heart because, as it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where Paul's talking about you know, um, rewards, he says, you know, I can give my body to be burned, all this other stuff, but it will, you know, if, it, if you don't do it out of love, it profits you nothing. The word profit means reward. All right, so as part of the Heavenly Rewards package, some of us will receive what's known as a covenant companion. Now, the Lord impressed upon my heart what a covenant companion and being with a covenant companion is like. Now, when Odin was asked about the concept of a covenant companion, he basically said that Jesus knows what's in your heart. Um, the, your husband and wife here on earth, you are no longer together as husband and wife. That's discontinued. You live in separate places, um, but you may be rewarded with a covenant companion, which is where Jesus knows what everything about you knows everything about you and how you feel, everything, your insides, your greatest wishes, how you feel, how you like to talk, what you like to talk about, what is attractive to you, and Jesus will create for you a covenant companion, and this companion will stay with you eternally. So if you're a guy, it'll be a girl. If you're a girl, it'll be a guy, if you get the reward of a covenant companion. Now, when the interviewer asked Brother Odin Hetrick or Pastor Odin Hetrick what it was like to be with a covenant companion, the only thing that he was really willing to say was, it makes what happens between a man and a woman on earth seem like a bad dream. Now, I dwelled on this for a little while, and it was impressed upon my heart, the movie Cocoon. In the movie Cocoon, you have these old people that are you know, old, and they're looking for something interesting to do. And they wander off the property of their old folks' home, and they go wandering into this pool area that's inside of an enclosure. So it's a nice inside pool with glass all around it, very astute, you know, uh, estate. And the, and inside this pool, uh, there are these, I don't know, pods or something in the bottom of the water, at the bottom of the pool. And they all start to go swimming in the pool. And all of a sudden, they started to become more strong. They became younger. They became virulent. They became they were able to, you know, dance and jump and run and do all kinds of things that they weren't able to do just because they swam in that water with those pods. Well, eventually the human looking, which by the way is seems to be roughly the vast majority, there's a very large as you heard from uh Pastor Howard Storm um, a lot of them are human-looking. Well, in the movie um, Cocoon, they were, of course, human-looking. And there was one female one who was in charge of the group, pretty much, and she went by the name Kitty. And Steve Gutenberg, who is playing whatever his name was in the in the show, they were in the pool together, and Gutenberg was curious about how they, you know, 
hung out together? You know, what was, you know, their method of, you know, being together as a man and a woman? So he was kind of probing around and asking this real pretty girl, Kitty, what it was like. You know, what did you, what do you guys do? And uh, it was very clean, very tastefully done. And Kitty said, well, we call it sharing. And she said, would you like to see what it's like? And he says, of course I would. And so she starts to glow really, really bright like a light being. And all of a sudden, this giant, powerful ball of white power light just shoots out of her body and goes ricocheting across the room. And then it hits Gutenberg. Boom. And he goes flying back across the pool. And he's like, oh. And it was impressed upon my heart that that was a depiction of what happens between a covenant companion in heaven, if you are so rewarded with one. Which would explain why Odin Hedrick said it makes what happens on earth seem like a bad dream. All right, so anyway, so looking at the time, I'm running out of time, of course, but I want to cover a bunch of other things. Oh, I want to cover this for you because it's very, very relevant to this. Okay, so hold on just a second. Uh, Dimitri Dudu men. Uh, wait a minute. Let me see something. Once I see one, two, um, about angelic travel device. This is it. This is it. I found it right away. This is 100 and uh, it's one minute and 20 seconds roughly of testimony. Now, briefly, Dimitri Dudeman was a Romanian pastor back when they were very much a Soviet, you know, sort of a the old days. Uh, And um, they tried to kill him. You know, what he did as a pastor was he smuggled Bibles into Romania and, uh, you know, in the night and stuff, he would drive around and smuggle the Bibles here and there and give them to people. And that was his thing. That was part of his ministry. Well, several times the Romanian police had caught up with him and they beat him half to death and did all kinds of horrible things to him. So that was his life in Romania. However, eventually, uh, God had sent two angels to visit with Dimitri and told him that he needed to go to the United States. The whole purpose of his being sent to the United States, which, by the way, he didn't like very much, was to travel from church to church to church to church and tell everybody, warn them that the United States is Babylon the Great and she shall burn in one hour. Now then... um, Michael Boldia, who is an incredibly anointed pastor today, a full, full-grown adult, was a young boy back then, and he used to travel around with Dimitri, who could only speak Romanian. Okay, and that's what you're going to hear. You're going to hear Dimitri in the background talking in Romanian, and you're going to hear his grandson, Michael Boldia, who we've had on the show, um, translating what his grandfather is saying. Pay very close attention, because what you're going to hear, I'm going to give you a little synopsis, and then you're going to hear it from, the, you know, the, from, from them. Okay, basically because um, Dimitri had been chased by the Romanian police so many times in the dark, he would see them coming from the distance, and he would see the, the truck lights heading directly in him. He's like, oh, no, here come the police again. So he'd see the lights down the road. Well, he sees these lights coming at him, and he thinks, oh, no, and he's in America right now. Oh, but it gets far more interesting. He calls them the Angel Brothers. And probably because they probably looked similar. Uh, Most accounts of um, 
the the main angels that uh, guard heaven uh, is that they tend to be about seven to eight foot tall, blonde, and very muscular. Now, um, but that is not all of them. All right. So anyway. Um, but anyway, there were two of these angels that had sent Dimitri to the United States to do the ministry work that he was sent to do. You are going to hear him talking in a Presbyterian church, I believe it is, um, and you will hear in English his grandson, Michael Boldia, translating. Listen very closely to what he says. I was sitting outside on a rock. It was very late at night. I was just crying before God. And then I saw a light coming towards me. When I saw the light, I thought it was a car. Because in Romania and in Italy, they always try to run me over with cars. So I thought, they're here too. And so I jumped up. But the light surrounded me. And out of the light, I heard the same voice. It was the same angel. Which had been with me in prison. Which had been at my house. Which was with me in Italy. He said, Dimitri, why are you so despairing? Well, what did I do that you punished me so harshly? Why did you bring me to this country? I don't even have a place to head down. He said, Dimitri, I brought you to this country because this country will burn. So why did you bring me here to burn and then let me die in jail in my own country? He said, Dimitri, be quiet. Get beside me. You're not allowed to speak from now on. I got beside the angel brothers. I don't know what the device was. But it traveled so fast that you couldn't see anything. I don't know what the device was, but it traveled so fast that you could not see anything. It was a spaceship, but in this case, a smaller one, which they would refer to as chariots. But also remember that he saw the lights heading directly at him, chariots of fire. Oh. Wow, it's all snapping together. Pretty amazing. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So anyway, um, there's a, a touch of evidence I have so much that um, come they're coming from exceedingly godly people um, that confirm beyond any shadow of a doubt, if you believe their testimony, which, of course, you'd be kind of foolish if you didn't, um, uh, kind of, uh, I won't use the word foolish because God doesn't like that word as a choice. Uh, you would be less than appropriately receptive if you didn't. It'd be unfortunate. However, anyway, so now you've heard um, Odin Hetrick in, in two different segments uh, talk about the little beings that played music, talk about the two beings that, he, that were in the city mansion that he was supposed to get, learn a lesson in regard to being in their presence and how to deal with them. Um, uh, you've under, you understand now about covenant companions and um, all that kind of stuff. So that's really important. And, um, you know, can I guarantee you that sharing, you know, with Kitty and, and Gutenberg and all that, that that's how it is? No. But I for some reason had that I just it was vivid the recollection of that and and the whole movie and everything just came to mind and I was like that's it that's it I knew it all right so anyway um you know could I be wrong yeah I could be but I don't think I am all right praise God thank you Jesus hallelujah now 
I think it's important to take note that there was a woman by the name of Phyllis Schlemmer, and Phyllis Schlemmer wrote a book by the title The Only Planet of Choice. Phyllis Schlemmer would channel, well, for lack of a better term, the bad guys. Um, uh, and, you know, we, we, oh, no, they're channeling. They're talking to them telepathically. Well, then what in the world is it that a Christian does when they receive a prophecy from, the Father, from our Heavenly Father? Is there any difference? Really, when you think about it, the only difference is one person is talking to the bad guys and one person is talking to the heavenly office of God, right? But they're both getting telepathic communications, essentially. Yes, they are. Now then, I'm not condoning any of this. I'm just simply saying this is a fact. It's all written in these books, and many of, many of which I've read and are very eye-opening. And um, I discovered that, believe it or not, Gene Roddenberry, the creator, the, uh, the founder of the uh, popular uh, interplanetary go-where-no-man-has-gone-before Star Trek series, <clears throat> happened to sit in the room with Phyllis Schlemmer. And they were talking to, believe it or not, these entities that were referred to themselves as the Council of Nine. Now, if you go back into the King of Tyre and, you know, the descriptions of Lucifer, now, of course, it uses the metaphor of the King of Tyre, but, it, but you find out later that he's really talking about Lucifer, et cetera, et cetera. You find out that Lucifer had a nine, a nine gemstone ephod. Okay, now, um, so nine is the number for Lucifer. Um, okay, why is that important? Because these guys, these entities that were being talked to while Gene Broddenberry is just sitting there listening with wide eyes going, wow, this is amazing. Let me take notes. Um, you know, and, and they're like, we are the Council of Nine. Well, they probed a little bit more. And I'm not going to get into too much detail, but they probed a little bit more. And these entities that they were having a conversation with, supposedly in outer space, I have no reason to doubt that, they said um, that they, um, when they were asked, who are you? What could we equate you with? Is there anything, you know, that's, that we know about here on Earth that can help us to understand who you are? And when I heard their explanation, I just about fell off my chair. Because what they told Gene Roddenberry and Phyllis was that they were the gods, little g-gods, in the ancient Hebrew text. Now, when you know how many different types of texts, Zoroastrianism, you've got, oh my gosh, the, uh, the Vedas, you've got the Bhagavad Gita, you've got the uh, Mahabharata, it just goes on and on, you've got the ancient Japanese text. Of all the hundreds of different ancient texts that they could have referred to, they could have said the Lost Book of Enki, they could have said anything, but they said the ancient Hebrew texts. Then you start to stitch everything together and you know, you already know that let us create them in our image, our creator gods, because that's how God populates the universe. That's also how God does divine healing and everything else. He uses his sons of God and we are conduits of his power. Okay, now, what are we going to be able to do when we roll in ring with Jesus? Are we going, so some of us will be definitely be stationed in planet heaven. Some of us will be over the courts. Some of us will 
rule and reign with Jesus as kings and priests across what? The kingdom of God, which is all the universes, all the trillions of trillions of galaxies and planets and life forms and everything like that. And our Heavenly Father does not want another Lucifer incident. He is testing us. It is our ability to love. It is our ability to be humble. It is our ability to treat other people as we would like to be treated. It is our, when we become like Jesus, as we are to in our sanctification process, we become closer and closer to what God is looking to promote. In the, in the, radio, I'm sorry, in the radio show that we did with uh, Howard Storm, he even mentioned God has a way of taking the most miserable beings and turning them into the most glorious beings. Um, and I thought to him, wow, that's actually pretty profound of a thing to say. And clearly that is part of who we are on this planet. Now, all that being said, you might say, wait a minute, why are we here? Well, Jesus said in John 10:34, and I will go ahead and read it to you exactly. Now, I happen to be one of those people who I am what you might call a, uh, I'm a, I'm a mystery chaser. Okay, that's what I do. I chase mysteries. Now, um, uh, let me go ahead and see if I can – hold on a second. I'll just go ahead and pull up John 1034. 1034. And I'll read it to you exactly. Jesus answered them, and he says, Is it not written in your law that I said ye are gods? By the way, that's a little g. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him – whom the Father has sanctified and sent into the world, that you are blaspheming because I said that I am the Son of God? So Jesus said, he said, have I not said ye are gods? What could this be referring to? Well, there is only one place in the entire Holy Bible that this could be referring to. I will take you there now. It is Psalm 82. Now, when we had Michael Heiser on the program, I tried to pin him into into a corner and get him to agree that this was referring, you know, that the two were one and the same. But being the Hebrew scholar that he was, he wouldn't commit. He didn't completely say no, but he, you know, wouldn't commit. That's very common with folks like that. So anyway, um, but me, I'm all, I'm an all faith guy. I operate out of faith. I operate out of emotions. I operate. Uh, I'm very much like Peter in many ways. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I just do dumb things. You know, but but the thing is, my heart is really coming from the right place. I mean, the whole reason I'm talking to you right now is because I care. Because I love you. And, I, and the reason why we pray and we want to be found worthy, counted worthy, to escape all these things that are going to come upon the earth and stand before the Son of Man at the wedding supper, I pray with you about that because I don't want – I started Tribulation Now in 2009 in the website because I was, wanted to warn people. And now, really, when you think about it, if it wasn't for the divine protection of our Heavenly Father, I would be jobless and probably in some sort of a weird – I mean, they'd, they'd lock me up. Now, I'm protected. But I've had to go through some horrible things. God had had to let me go through some pretty horrible things. Maybe someday, you know, I'll do a three-hour new testimony that includes the stuff that happened in the last ten years. So anyway, um, uh, so what does it say here? It says in Psalm 82, it says, God stands in the congregation of the mighty, and he judges amongst the gods. That's little g, by the way. 
And also the Bible says that God is Yahweh-el, God of gods. He's also God of all, which is in Hebrews 12.22. Now, it goes on in, in our Heavenly Father. Now, now notice that he says he, he's judging the gods. He's judging the gods, little g, little g gods. Don't even get me going on First uh, Kings twenty two nineteen, where uh, Micaiah sees, uh, you know, our heavenly Father debating amongst. Uh, they they call them spirits, but they're actually minor gods, and they're standing in front of our heavenly Father, a multitude of them that are discussing on how they're going to deal with King Ahab. How are we going to get King Ahab, King Ahab the fall at Ramoth Gilead? Our heavenly Father asked them. And they debated amongst one another, and they're chitter-chattering back and forth. Well, I don't know. What do you think? What do you think? I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. And one of them stood forward and said, I know. I will go down and become a lying spirit in the mouth of all of his prophets. And our Heavenly Father said, you shall, and you will be successful. Hmm, fascinating. So anyway, God stands in the congregation of the mighty, and he judges amongst the gods. It's very important to get that. And then he goes on, and he tells them all the bad things that defend the poor and the fatherless, deliver the poor and the needy. They do not know, nor do they understand. They walk in darkness, and all the foundations of the earth are unstable. I said you are gods. That's what our Heavenly Father said. I said you are gods. And all of you are children of the Most High. Whoops, that's sons of God. Well, looky there but you shall die like men and fall like one of the princes. Now then, how does a minor God with eternal life die like a man? Well, they have to incarnate into a man body, don't they? Otherwise, they can't die like a man. Simple as that. It is not that complicated. It's right there for anybody who, as Jesus would say, can receive it. Now, wait a minute. If that's who we were, which is who we were, then what are we doing here? Well, when you understand and stitch it all together and you read enough of the material, you read the Luganville material, you, you have four-hour conversations with people, you know, that are just, have gone through things that are just absolutely unbelievable, and you start to stitch these things together, and you read books and lots of stuff that I've had over the last 15 years, you, everything starts to snap together, and you're going to yourself, wait a minute, wow, this is amazing. The wars in the heavens, when Lucifer was placed in charge of the Morning Star office, which is why churchianity gets confused between Jesus and the morning star and Lucifer and the morning star and blah, 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 blah. Well, he was placed in charge temporarily over the morning star office, which is a large part of the universe. And there were billions of beings, our sons of God, minor gods, that worked underneath him. And they were in charge of all of these galaxies. Okay, And then until sin was found in him, because Lucifer wanted to play God. He wanted to do things that he wasn't supposed to be doing, but he's doing right now on earth. All right, which is why, anyway, I'm not going to get into that, but we, we know. So anyway, here's the key to understanding. Once you realize that Oregon went before the great pontiff and told him that he was absolutely convinced they could show him everywhere in the Bible and prove beyond any shadow of a doubt that we pre-existed. Well, you know what happened? The satanic pontiff 
ostracized and anathemaed Oregon. Get out of here! Because Satan's greatest fear is that we will discover who we are. His greatest fear. Greatest fear. Because when we discover who we actually are, the elect of God, That threatens Lucifer because we become very powerful. Our faith shoots through the roof, and there's nothing that's going to stop us. And believe you me, ain't nothing that's going to stop me except the giant meter falling on my head. Now, but that would be God's will, and so be it. Now, that, now here's the deal. So there were wars in the heavens. We were involved with the wars of the heavens. What, was, what happened in the last episode of Seinfeld? They saw a man getting beat up and robbed across the street, and they all laughed and giggled about it and made fun of it. And they were arrested for their complicity, complicity, whatever, of the, the event. They didn't call the cops. They didn't do anything about it, and they laughed about it. So they got arrested and thrown in jail, and that was the last episode of Seinfeld. Now then. What about all the minor gods that saw the wars in the heavens taking place, where Lucifer was going? Uh, it refers in the Bible, he calls them uh, fiery stone to fiery stone. That's simply referring to suns in different universes, solar systems and such. That's all it is. Very simple. When, when you are... When you see wars and stuff going on in the heavens and planets being destroyed and, and civilizations being wiped out and all these horrible things happening at the hands of Lucifer who wants to play God, and it's out of order, out of order, and your choice is to do like they did in Seinfeld and to say, look, I don't want to get involved in this. I don't want to piss off Lucifer. I don't want to piss off anybody. I don't want to get involved in it. I'm going to stand back. I'm not going to. And you're on the fence. What are you? You are complicit in the crime. Are you going to be punished? Yes, you are. How are you going to be punished? Well, it says right here in Psalm 82, Ye shall, have I not said ye are gods, but you shall, and you are all sons of God, children of the Most High, but you shall die like men. Well, there you go. We were involved in those angel wars. We were minor gods. We made some bad choices. Somebody went and ratted out Lucifer and said he's, he's, he's causing all kinds of horrible things to happen. And then God had to stand in the congregation of the mighty and judge amongst the gods. There was a judgment that came down. Now, why is Lucifer allowed to live? Why doesn't God just destroy him? Because that's how magnanimous he was. He was the first awesome created being of our Heavenly Father. A senior, senior executive vice president, very high up. So our Heavenly Father gave him an executive parachute. The reason why Lucifer was not wiped out is because our Heavenly Father came up with a plan, and that was to use him to bring in the fullness of the Gentiles. You might say, well, that seems a little bit silly. No, it doesn't, because there's no such thing as an atheist in a foxhole. Even in the movie Goodbye, or the song Goodbye Saigon by Billy Joel, there's, a, there's uh, some lyrics where it says, And we cried out to Jesus Christ with all of our might. My mother 
who was raised a, a Lutheran in a dead Lutheran church, no presence of the Holy Spirit whatsoever, <clears throat> um, was bored. And so she got with one of her friends in Hummelstown, Pennsylvania, and they went to a library and they got a hold of a grimoire. A grimoire is a book of satanic or demonic incantations. My mother sat with her friend on the floor, Indian style, in the uh, kitchen of the house, and her and her friend together started to recite the grimoire incantations out of the book. Suddenly, one of the chairs in the kitchen flew across the room and smashed into the cabinet. And my mom jumped up and freaked out. And she went running out of the house. She came and grabbed all of the kids. There's just a few of us at the time. It was before they started taking foster kids. She threw us in the back of the car. She knew, I guess she made some phone calls, but she found the most Holy Spirit-filled, tongue-speaking church in all of central Pennsylvania called Grace Chapel. And she grabbed us all, and she drove over there as fast as she could, and she ran into the church. And that's where she went every single service with me in tow. By the time I was nine years old and I saw them bringing down the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which they did routinely with all the other elders and all these people speaking in tongues and going out in the spirit, I said to my mom, 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 can I go? Please let me go. And my mom says, Go, boy, go. And I went running. I pushed my way through the, the, the pews and the people and I got into the thing and I went running up and I said, Me, me, I want it. I want it really bad, please. And all of the elders came over, not all of them, but a handful of them, about four or five of them. They laid hands on me and I went, Bam, out in the spirit flew backwards and I was speaking in tongues like I don't know what and my mom put me in the back of the car I couldn't think I couldn't walk I couldn't talk I was just in a daze of glory she had to keep me out of school for three days because I was incapacitated So right there is a perfect example of how God can use Satan to bring in the fullness of the Gentiles. But that's just one of many. So anyway, um, uh, that's so Lucifer or Satan or the Beast, whatever you want to call him. Actually, the Beast is Obama. But um, is you know he's being he's on an executive severance package for the purpose of God to use him. He's the accuser of the brethren who accuses the brethren both day and night in the courts of heaven. But in Revelation chapter six, which is in you know synchronicity with Revelation chapter twelve, you see that the the, um, the you know the, the dragon is cast out of heaven with his angels, which are fallen angels. And down to the earth. Now that maps over to Revelation 6, verse 12 and 13, where it says, And the stars will fall from the sky like a fig tree shaken by a mighty wind. That is Satan and his fallen angels being cast down to the earth. That will show up in the form of an alien invasion. And if you think that that's going to be interdimensional and it isn't going to be real and they're not going to be killing people and wiping people out, you have lost your ever-loving peanut whatever. Okay, it's going to be the real deal. Now, I know Marzulli and some other people, and God bless him. I love him. I love his work. I have a lot of his material. We've had him on the show many times, and he says that, they're, you know, that they got their wings clipped. And you know what? That's a pretty good analogy, really, when you think about it. And it's true, because it can no longer go through the Orion Belt. They can no longer go to the eternal realm of the Creator. 
which would mean they would need to break free of this hologram that we're in. Now, when you get this and you put all of this together, it changes everything. And now you understand what it means to rule and reign with Jesus over all of creation. Remember when Howard Storm was talking, he said that Jesus would go to these different planets that were holy and righteous, which, by the way, was also uh, uh, in the book Aliens and the Antichrist, written by uh, John, um, trying to think of his last name, on the tip of my tongue. But anyway, um, you can look it up. But anyway, um, Oh yeah, I I just I flipped out when I saw aliens in, when I was reading the book Aliens and the Antichrist because uh, John I'm I got to type it in because I want to get his last name I'm forgetting it right now hold on a second Aliens and the Antichrist by John there we go hold on a second uh, wait a minute hold on J O H N boom. Okay, so I wanted to get – where is it? John Myler. Yeah, John W. Myler. We've had him on the show a couple of times. He's awesome. Um, anyway, I was sitting on an airline uh, on a plane flying to one of my client sites many, 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 many years ago when I was really in the very birthing stages of learning some of these things. And I was reading his book, and he said, what if the rapture is a super high-speed, light-speed alien invasion where God sends his angels down really fast and in a matter of a nanosecond picks everybody up and flies away. You know, I've always wondered when I read in Revelation chapter 12 that it says that the woman will be taken up on the wings of an eagle and taken away to a place of safety where she will be nourished or fed for times, times, and half a time. What is the eagle? And why is it that so many testimonies that I've collected over the years that when you hear people talking about that they were going up in the rapture, or they were watching other people go up in the rapture, and they were going up in blue streaks of light, and they were heading to a large blue object up in the sky? Could that be the eagle? <clears throat> because remember, if they want to have ma maximum interactivity with human beings, they have to be incarnated in human bodies. If they're all showing up in spirit angel bodies, they're just going to scare the heck out of everybody anyways. Just like they did Daniel. I could go on and on about other people that were taken to heaven and they said that they saw chariots and they tried to explain what they were and they were some kind of a transportation device and they had all these other kinds of transportation devices in heaven and they could even fly through this, this sky from one place to another and it was just amazing. But there were always some type of technology where they were being taken around. Even Kat Kerr says that they, they will fly you around through the nebulas and let you see that on the way to heaven. Same thing with Jesse Duplantis. Now, I know that Duplantis is doing some things that, well, you know, he probably shouldn't be doing. And, you know, maybe same with some of the other people. Nobody's perfect. I'm not here to judge anybody. I'm not definitely not going to judge anybody. No, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. I am not worthy. But all that aside, 
there are very, very consistent testimony that all include these devices, these transportation technologies that they're referring to as chariots. And in the case of the chariot, they're talking about a technological flying device, a type of a spaceship that's relatively, well, not too big. But what about that eagle, that big blue, what is that that everybody's heading up toward? Hmm. Makes you wonder. Makes me wonder why... When Paul was on the road to Aramaeus, and this big, gigantic white light from the sky shines down on him, and he hears the voice of Jesus, what's up with that? Big, giant, white light from the sky? Hmm. I don't know. And then the ascension of Jesus. That's fascinating, too, isn't it? How these lights came, and it was like a bright, and he goes right up into the sky. Where did he go? Well, he must have gone through the dimensions and suddenly appeared in heaven. Or, I don't know. What's up with the chariots of fire that Elijah saw up on the hill? Was it a bunch of Roman chariots? Why were they chariots of fire? How come fire came shooting down and wiped out all? And I mean, it's just like you put it all together and you're going like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. And then you're like, oh, God's angels need technologies when they are incarnated into a human so that you can unwittingly entertain an angel or so they can go into Lot's house or whatever the case may be. So this explains pretty much just about everything regarding the mysteries that are associated. Now, there's a book called Encounters with Star People. I was going to read a couple of sections out of that, but I don't think we have enough time for that. But it's an incredible book written by an, uh, a Native American Indian lady. Uh, who went to all these different Indian reservations and met up with the elders of the Indian reservations. And she would talk to the chiefs, the guys that had essentially retired chiefs of the Navajo or whatever. And because she was Indian, they trusted her and they would tell her what they saw. They saw very large, as large as a battleship, motherships flying over buttes. They saw, in some cases, very large spaceships that would, through a beam of white light, drop down cars full of people that didn't seem human. <clears throat> the stories in that book are earth-shattering and amazing. And that woman had no reason to tell a fib. Why would she? A whole book? Now, what I'm going to play for you now is... Hold on a second. Control F. Oh, there it is. just want you to hear this. This is fascinating. Nibiru NASA. There we go. Okay, I got a couple of them here. Oh, good. Okay, so 
if I played the main one, you would hear this guy that they called Arizona. That was his nickname. He, his testimony was that he was working for NASA in one of their uh, need-to-know compartmentalized areas uh, above top secret, and they were watching Nibiru coming toward planet Earth. And they've been tracking it for a long time, which, by the way, aligns to a lot of other information. And uh, I've got letters from a priest that was working at the Vatican in the black ops part of the Vatican, and he stumbled across uh, an encrypted file that was called um, – oh, gosh. Um, oh, uh, trying to think of the name of it. But anyway, I, I could go into that, but I'm not going to because there's other stuff that's more important that I want to touch upon. But anyway, before – oh, man, I want to play all these things, but we just don't – I know I'm going to run out of time. But I want you to hear – well, okay, first, let me try this. Okay, hold on. Planet X, Nibiru NASA inside of That's the big one. Part 2, ETs and the mothership. Um, and then Insider Short – Okay, let's go ahead and listen to this one. This one is the beginning, uh, a snippet of a 15-minute segment of this guy, Arizona, on a radio show, giving a little bit of his testimony about Nibiru and watching it. And then we'll go over and listen to the one I wanted to share with you about Planet Heaven. But anyway, let's listen to this. Back in the 1950s, most people aren't aware of it, but there was a scientific storm in America all through the late 50s about this thing out there in space because the astronomers were all watching it, and that was back when they weren't afraid to talk about it. It was in the science magazines. I mean, I had a subscription to, like, Popular Science and Health. It was on the front cover of the magazine one day in, like, 1961. And uh, I was really excited when I saw it because here's this giant red planet on the horizon uh, of the California coast and a humongous tidal wave coming in towards the coast and having grew up in the mountains of uh, the Sierras and this thing in the magazine, it said this tidal wave coming in was going to be at least three miles high. And I went and showed it to everybody in the house and they laughed and they said, look, it says right here, there's nothing to worry about. It won't be here for another 50 years. Hey, guess what? That 50 years has came and gone. And uh, this baby's out there in the sky. They've been watching it. I watched it. And I can tell you, this thing has got so much trash coming around it. You know how we live in a solar system? We've got nine planets and a big sun. This right. thing has got seven planets and its own sun. But I believe that instead of having dirt on it like our planet does and water, I think this thing is just a big, uh, bright, reddish-orange iron ball because it's giving off all this red iron oxide dust out into the atmosphere. When we thought at first it was just a teeny little red speck of, of fuzzy red dust in the distance, but over the years as it went by and we watched it, it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And then finally, about 08, we could see this thing like it was across the street. And we could see that it was a blazing hot ball of fire, giving out sparkles of red iron oxide dust for thousands of miles in every direction. And you could see the planets circulating it. Now, I'll tell you one thing that I really am nervous about. I think this thing's got a planet like ours circling it. This is its own solar system. We're about to have a solar system come through the middle of our solar system. This can't be good. But unfortunately, it looks as though that's what's going to happen. Hopefully nothing in this mess will hit us, even though it does say it will in the Bible, at least as it does in my Bible. It says we can expect all kinds of problems. 
<clears throat> okay, now um, now I wanted to take you to another segment of his talk. And I just thought it would be interesting to toss this in there, given all the things that we've covered tonight. Well, you guys want to hear one that's scary? As I understand, they have located the home world for God himself out in space. Talking about the Illuminati. And and, uh, this may seem like it's really over the top, but as I understand, they are planning to invade it. And so the war in heaven that you've read about, entirely may happen because what I've been told is they've located the world where God lives and uh, anybody that doesn't think there's a God out there that thinks the Bible's a comic book or whatever don't pay any attention to what I'm saying but the people that do believe what I'm saying uh, there's an entire possibility that uh, there may be a war in heaven because there's these Illuminati people that I've talked to say that uh, they have located the planet that God has lived on since day one, and there's an entire galaxy, solar systems of planets where everybody that goes to heaven lives, and apparently they're a pretty nice place, but they are planning to uh, take a raiding party to that planet and try and take over. So, so the you've got to know who their leader is. All right. That's fascinating. You know, it was a brother L.V. Zapata that told me that heaven was a planet. <clears throat> I remember when he was describing it the first time. He's been on the show several times. And he said, it's a planet. It's a planet. Like he was like blown away by that concept. And, um, oh, he's not the only one. There's so many. So many. So um, I wanted to read this for you before – I don't want to run out of time before I get a chance to touch upon this. This – we all know a little bit about God's Healer 7. At least hopefully we know or heard of them before. I wrote an article after this was – this came out from God's Healer 7. I called it The Seven Thunders Revealed. Now, I know a lot of people have been saying different things about the Seven Thunders. I believe that this is it. I believe beyond any shadow of a doubt that this is 100% it. There is no variation. This is it. Now, um, on the Seven Thunders Revealed article that I printed, um, that I wrote, um, I I pointed out before I get to it that uh, if you take a look at the Daniel 9.27 and you look at the Hebrew, it could just as easily be translated into the words, On the wing of a flying army of especially detestable and disgusting things shall be that which astonishes, devastates, and stupefies. Which, by the way, aligns up with Luke twenty-one twenty-six, which says, Men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming upon the earth. Hmm. And then you have 2 Ezra 15:28. Well, second, first and second Ezra were, were both of those books were inside the 1611 King James Bible. There were 14 books of the Apocrypha that were later removed. I wonder why. But in verse 28 of chapter 15, it says, Behold, a horrible vision and the appearance thereof from the east, where the nations of the dragons of Arabia, that sounds like reptilians, shall come out with many chariots. Oh, my goodness, that word chariots keeps coming up. And the multitude of them shall be carried as the wind 
upon the earth. Whoops, well, that obviously up in the sky flying around, aren't they? And all they which hear them may fear and tremble. Hmm. And by the way, if you go further down in 2 Esdras 15, verse 40, 41, 42, it talks about the arrival of the horrible star. Gee, I wonder what that could be. So anyway, the testimony of Sister Barbara and Brother Dan was that Sister Barbara was walking around down in her kitchen, and she was you know, by herself, la-di-da, talking to the Lord. And she said to the Lord, you know, Lord, it says in the Bible that you know, we, you know, we can't find out until the very end of, you know, about the seven thunders, but it isn't it kind of like really close to the end? Father, would you be you know, willing to tell me about the seven thunders? So she was having that conversation with the Lord, <clears throat> and all of a sudden her husband, Brother Dan, comes running down the stairs, and he says, Barbara, Barbara, I just got this prophecy from the Lord. It's about the seven thunders. Now, of course, she's flipping out at this point. It's a great testimony. I'm going to read it to you, the actual prophecy that was given to Brother Dan about the seven thunders. It's loaded with amazing truths. It's loaded with things that confirm what we've been talking about tonight. Starts out, part one. Starts out and says, be of great vigilance for the thunder's approach. Although the hosts, oops, there's that term, yea, saith the Lord of hosts. Although the hosts shall lead the battle, the thunders shall follow. Well, what that tells me is the thunders are not in host bodies. They're spiritual entities. Their might shall be apparent to all. Their glory is in my name. Prince of peace I left. God of thunders I shall return. They shall swoop down on their prey like an eagle. Where do we just hear that? Second Esdras 15 verse 28. They shall enter with a deafening roar. Their roar shall pierce the ears of all those who await them. Fire shall spew from their lips. Fear shall enter men's hearts. What do we just say? Men's hearts failing them for fear of those things coming upon the earth. They shall blind all who look at their presence. All hearts will grow cold. All will look for mercy from them and none will be found. They have been called to inflict punishment. They shall not disappoint the Father. As the wind blows, so shall they fly. None shall escape their wrath. Woe to all who feel their wrath. It would have been better for them if they had not been born. The seven seals have sealed thy fate. Thus saith the Lord, mercy shall be followed by judgment. Thy cross is of your own making. Hmm. But then there was a part two. I shall not come through water but by fire. My messengers shall announce my forthcoming. The cries of my children have reached my ears, and they shall be answered. For vengeance is mine. The sea shall hide no more. The time nears when ye shall witness the mighty power of which I hold in my hands. The wings of the thunders await my command. All who do not follow me walk down the path of destruction. My angels shall breathe fire on the evildoers. The scales of justice shall weigh heavily upon the unforgiven. Mercy has lost its way and shall not be seen again. The fruit of anger is ready to be picked. Woe to the evil as it 
grass for air, there shall be none. The fires of hell shall surround them. What has gained through the cunning deceit be had no more. The sea shall boil, the mountains shall tremble, for my judgment shall be swift and final. Woe to those who look for deliverance, for there shall be none. Shall, um, shall sight return to those who were blind? The scent of death shall fill the air. Woe to those who bow down to evil. Woe to those who remain unmoved. The fires of hell shall consume them. Woe to the fury that awaits them. The world has not seen nor shall witness again the fury of my wrath. Well, I find that interesting because in Isaiah 13 we have an alien invasion. It's a real bona fide alien invasion. No, it's not fake. No, it's not some nonsense about Project Blue Beam, which, by the way, is a counter. It's a uh, it's what you call a counterintel operation. They're trying to trick people into thinking that when the blue streaks of light go up to the blue object in the sky, the people that are being raptured are actually being taken by the aliens, which is what Pastor Sori Park was told is going to happen after the barley harvest. Jesus told him when he was taken to heaven that NASA will come on all the televisions worldwide and tell everybody that the aliens took the people. How lovely it is that we have that wonderful Sergio Manast worthless piece of paper, a lie from the devil, about Project Bluebeam to further trick everybody into thinking that that's what's really happening. The only ones who will hear the trumpet sound are the ones who are being taken by our Heavenly Father and Lord Jesus to the wedding supper. That Nobody else will hear it. Nobody else is going to hear it. Just us. In Isaiah 13, during the day of the Lord, which, by the way, happens in the middle of the sixth seal, right along where it says, and uh, the stars shall fall from the sky, that's a metaphor for fallen angels, shall fall from the sky like a fig tree shaken by a mighty wind. Isn't it fascinating, all of the movies that depict a, before the alien invasion occurs, you've got these, um, you know, Meteors shooting down from the earth, uh, outer space, and then the aliens show up. Without warning is one. Battle LA is another. How the end begins. Um, uh, Greenland, uh, but that one doesn't have the. Uh, it's not totally that. But boy, let me tell you, Battle LA really stands out in that regard. Now then, lift up a banner on the high mountain. I'm reading Isaiah 13. Raise your voice to them. Wave your hand that they may enter the gates of the nobles. I have commanded. Listen carefully. I have commanded my sanctified ones. I have also called my mighty ones for my anger. Those who rejoice in my exaltation. The noise of a multitude of the mountains, like that of many people. A tumultuous noise of the kingdoms of nations gathered together. The Lord of hosts musters the army for battle. They come from a far country, from the end of the heaven. That word in Hebrew is Shamayim, and when you look it up with a uh, enhanced it, um, Strong's Bible Dictionary, you will discover rapidly that it means where the planets revolve. It actually says that. The Lord and his weapons of indignation to destroy the whole land. And it goes in and just, just paints out the most gruesome picture of things that are happening. 
it, 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 uh, it goes, it says, everyone who is found will be thrust through, and everyone who is captured will fall by the sword. Their children will also be dashed to pieces before their eyes. Their houses will be plundered, and their wives ravaged. Remember all those people out there talking about the rapture of the innocents? That would be a big fat no. It's nowhere in the Bible. But they, people just <laughs> make stuff up. Here it is. Here's proof. Isaiah 13, verse 6. Their children will also be dashed to pieces before their eyes. Those are aliens. They come from a far country, from the ends of heaven. The Lord and his weapons of indignation to destroy the whole land. Isn't it fascinating in Isaiah 26, verse 20? The Lord is talking to his bride at the time, and he says, Go into your chambers, your bridal chambers, for a little while until the indignation has passed. Methinks it's the same indignation, which, by the way, happens during the three days of darkness. Sort of like an echo or foreshadowing associated with the three days of darkness in Egypt. Weren't there evil angels slaughtering the firstborn? Yeah. And weren't there some that had the glory light of God inside their dwelling places because they splashed the blood of the Lamb in the shape of a cross over their doorposts? And there was glory light inside their homes. And that same thing is going to happen to the people that are here on the earth, the believers, that are part of the wheat harvest, because the barley harvest will have already gone to heaven. And many, many otherwise perfectly fine and wonderful good Christians will be Isaiah 57 one and taken home, because the meteor that uh, causes, that kicks off the sixth seal and causes the great earthquake is going to be, um, that hits off the coast of Puerto Rico and causes the double mega tsunami that kills 22 million people on the east coast of the United States of Babylon the Great. But remember, it also makes the entire world shake hard. All buildings made of rock, all buildings made of brick, all buildings made of stone are going to crumple. It is going to be the most devastating event the world has ever seen. And that is the kickoff event for the sixth seal. But you also have the, the sky rolling up like a scroll. When does the sky roll up like a scroll? Why don't you go to YouTube and take a look at some of the nuclear tests of Bikini Islands and stuff and watch how the sky rolls up like a scroll. That's how we know that Revelation 18 actually happens during the day of the Lord in the midst of the sixth seal. Because in Revelation 14, the angels fly overhead and say, Babylon the Great has fallen, has fallen that great, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's past tense because it occurs in the day of the Lord. So anyway, um, in the last few minutes that we have left, I'm going to share, you a, share with you a couple of more gems from this book that are just unbelievable. Um, 
and I've got many more, but only so much time. UFOs, aliens, impregnated women, extraterrestrials, and God, sex with reptilians, aliens, motherhood, the Bible, abductions, and hybrids by Maximilian de Lafayette. Out of print and very expensive nowadays. I already talked about Orions. Other sources claim that the Orion Nebula is a cosmic doorway to infinity or the realm of the creator, which transcends the time-space-matter universe and which is, in fact, surrounds the physical universe where we are. So all around the hologram that we're stuck in right now is the eternal realm where the glorified planets and the glorified civilizations are. That's some really cool stuff. Oh, but it doesn't stop there. There's lots of it. But you've got to be able to discern through it. For example, we, Robert Vandrius Mitchell had uh, mentioned Alex Collier several times, said that he was being watched very closely by the CIA because he has information that troubles them and they don't really want it getting out. But he did write a book entitled um, – uh, let me think if I – oh, yeah um, – Protecting Sacred Ground. I wonder why he chose that term. Protecting Sacred Ground. Supposedly, this man, Alex Collier, had had conversations with beings that were uh, what they refer to as benevolent. He mentions... um, Star systems, Lyra, Vega, Pleiades, Sirius, Procyon, Talsadi, Uman, I don't know about that one, Andromeda, and Arcturus, he even mentions. Now, you have to put on your discernment cap here, because you can't expect that this guy, Alex Collier, got every little detail absolutely correct. However, when you discern through what he says... A most amazing revelation emerges. He says, according to Alex Collier, a total of 22 extraterrestrial races have provided genetic material for the human experiment. Ah, not so much an experiment, really. So there's where your discernment needs to come in. Then it says, these include reptilian gray Anunnaki races described earlier, as well as those races in the second group, which Collier describes as benevolent, that we humans, as a product of extraterrestrial genetic manipulation, are possessors of a vast gene pool consisting of many different racial memory banks. But listen also consisting of at least 22 different races. Because of our genetic heritage and because we are spirit, the benevolent extraterrestrial races actually view us as being royalty in the universe of beings. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people called out of the darkness and into his marvelous light, who were once not a people, but are now the people of God. Isn't it true that our Heavenly Father said that he made Adam out of the dust of the earth? Hey, 
Hmm. Fascinating. That we are royalty. Now, I don't know about you, but that, to me, is absolutely mind-shattering. Oh, there's so much. I could just go through this book. I could spend like entire shows doing this book. It talks about Josephus and biblical lineage and oh, just tons of all kinds of good things. I mean, it's got a lot of stuff right. I'd love to read some of the stuff to Gary uh, Gary Wayne. <laughs> He'd be like going, "You're kidding me! What's the name of that book?" Oh man, praise God! But anyway. So the moral of the story is that in order to stitch together the mysteries that are associated with who we are, why are we here, we're being judged. Jesus came to redeem us. We shall die like men, even though we are God. Have I not said ye are gods, Jesus said? Hmm. And children of the Most High, but ye shall die like men. Gee whiz, where were we and what were we doing? So, why would we be called the elect? The elect of God, holy and beloved. Well, I have a hypothesis about this. The elect... The election, it has to do, I believe, with the magnitude of the crime. For those minor gods that were involved in the Morning Star office in the fall of Lucifer when the wars in the heavens were taking place, <clears throat> that had to die like men, those who did not, those who were in the back, I like to use the analogy of the Chrysler Pacific, and you got the people in the front row, you got the people in the second row, and you got the people in the third row. People in the third row really don't have a very good view. They can't see what's going on outside the Pacific at all. Okay, but the people who are in the front, they took a couple of machine guns, jumped out of the thing, went into the liquor store, shot everybody up, killed a whole bunch of people, stole a bunch of money, and came running back in, jumped in the Pacific, and drove away. Now, the people in the second row should have called the police, but they didn't because they were afraid that they were going to get shot. And the people in the third row had no idea what happened. They heard the gunshots, and they were in the back, but then they're going like, what happened? What happened? Well, when the people inside of that Pacifica go, go before the judge, and our God is the judge of all, Hebrews 12, 22. When they go before the judge, the judge is not going, he's going to have three separate sentencing hearings. He's going to have a sentencing hearing for the people that were in the front seat that committed the most egregious crimes. He's going to have another sentencing hearing for the people that are in the seat right behind the driver and the, and the passenger because they should have dialed 911 and didn't. And he's going to have a separate sentencing hearing for the people who are in the very back seat of the Pacifica because they really didn't know what was going on, but they were accessories to the crime nevertheless. When the people that were in the back of the Pacifica go before the judge, the judge will say to them, you have to do six months of community service. 
what would you like to do? Would you like to clean up the freeway on I-4 and wear orange and take a little stick and pick up all the paper? Or would you like to go down to Metropolitan Ministries and feed the poor? Or would you like to do this? Or would you like to do that? And then you elect what your punishment is. Therefore, as the elect of God. So when you study the word elect in the Holy Bible and you really do some deep dive research, you discover that that is a special group of believers. Not every believer on the earth is part of the elect. But to whom much has been given, much will be required. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, SpaghettiOs. These... 1247. These are the verses that keep me up at night. And that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his master's will shall be beaten with many stripes. Doesn't sound good. But he who did not know yet, yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with few. For everyone to whom much is given from him, much will be required. And to him whom much has been committed, of him they will ask all the more. Are you in that category? Anyway, praise God. Thank you for joining us tonight. And I pray that you are all blessed and that I will be able to have you join us for the prayer vigil this Friday night at 7 p.m. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you all.
Round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.